You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It's time to wake up with the morning boys. On Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And here are your hosts, Ryan Hickey and Mark Kelly. It is a good Friday morning. Welcome into the morning, boys. Ryan Hickey, Mark Everett Kelly, Austin Tidebaum with you right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Thanks so much for tuning in. It is another busy, great Friday as we have a lot to get to. Obviously, the Thursday night game last night between the Steelers and the Browns. We'll try to fit in uh, some of what happened with the actual game, but what happened at the end of the game is obviously taking a lot of headlines. We'll start with that. Um, we have some Cal Triple NFL picks like we do every Friday. Um, and we have an interesting buy or sell segment here as we now, this is week 11 in the NFL season, especially in the AFC, a lot of the wide open playoff spots are still out there. Um, we'll talk about a few teams that we think could either be contenders, pretenders, if we can truly think they can get a wild card spot or if they, or if their season is done. Um, the Astros sign ceiling, what MLB has to do to put their foot down to make sure this doesn't happen in the future. We'll discuss that possible punishments. First of all, Mark, how are you doing this morning? Uh, great. I'm doing great. Doing great, huh? Car troubles, yeah, no, battery no, troubles, you're and you're doing great on this Friday. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a, what is it? A key fob? Yeah, key fob. Yeah, well, my, the, the genius I am, I left it in my pants yesterday. And then <laughs> it, it, I guess there's a whole pun we could do with it. Anybody, anyway, so I left it in my pants, and then it got caught in the, in the washing machine. So then when I go out to um, you see if it works, it didn't work. So then you know, I, get, I go yesterday, got it replaced. You know, I test it out, it works. This morning when I go out, it doesn't work. Classic. Of course, and, and, it happens like that. And, 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 and not only that, but it's like, you know, it's just dead, and it's freezing. You know, and I'm already, like, maybe about five minutes late, so then I, I have to get out my I'm trying to be calm. Read out my, maybe I want to scream. So I get out my mail, try to read what's going on, and it doesn't explain anything really in detail that can help other than replacing the battery. Classic how to do manual. It. Okay. So then I, I go back in the house, and I'm like, let me just get the extra the other batteries I got, and I'll, I'll take this one out, and I'll put that one and see if it can reset it. So as I go in, I find my extra set that I couldn't find yesterday. And I'm like, well, thank God. So then I go out to my car by the time it's like 740, and I'm, a, I'm a, at least a half an hour away on a good day. So I'm thinking I'm not going to get there until like 9, <laughs> you know, with traffic and everything, but... Uh, Look at that. About 40 minutes later, I, I, we won't ask how fast you were going, how many red yeah. lights you, uh, you went through. That's not necessary, of how course. Many? If any police officers are listening, Mark always, you know, always listen, obeys, obeys traffic, traffic law. laws. Did not I, don't, I don't have about 45 red light tickets. It's him. <laughs> He's driving away. <laughs> uh, but we're glad to have you here, Mark, and glad that, especially more importantly, the key is working because nothing worse than just having a car that is unusable because a key won't work. Um, very cool. We're having Dick Vitale on the show. In about two hours, about 10 o'clock Eastern time, uh, you're, you're a great friend. Obviously, you know you and him go way back through Make-A-Wish and through ESPN. Yep. So very excited to have Dick on. Obviously, talk about your partnership, um, but as well as obviously talking about some college basketball as well. But, Mark, we talked about last night, right? We, we talked about the Browns and the Steelers. But the big storylines this morning coming out of last night were not what happened on the field. Browns did win 21-7, but that really almost was like an afterthought. Because we saw something on the field last night towards the end of the game that at least I've never seen before in a professional sporting event. And that was Miles Garrett taking down Mason Rudolph with literally like 
15 seconds left in the game. Game's already in hand. Miles Garrett takes down Mason Rudolph. There's some frustration going on, some helmet pulling by both. And Miles Garrett escalates the situation by not only just yanking on Mason Rudolph's face mask and kind of dragging him on the field, ends up ripping his helmet off. And then as he's fighting through two Steelers offensive linemen, Mason Rudolph chases after him, tries to get in his face to voice his displeasure for getting his helmet ripped off. And Miles Garrett responds by swinging the helmet that is still in his hand that he ripped off Mason Rudolph's head and hitting Mason Rudolph in the head. Something, like I said, never seen before. Right. We've seen fights in sports, right? Basketball, you see a lot of pushing and shoving. Football even as well, a lot of pushing and shoving. Maybe a punch thrown here and there, right? It's not out of the ordinary to see a punch thrown, but guys have helmets on. The punch really doesn't do anything. If anything, the guy who's throwing the punch gets hurt more because he's punching someone with a full-on helmet compared to the person receiving the punch. But to see that, just how scary that is, have a full tag, have a guy swing a helmet and hit someone on the head who's now wearing said helmet. Especially, not to mention Mason Rudolph coming off. This is the same guy who was knocked unconscious on the field just a few weeks earlier against the Ravens. We saw him lying there motionless. Wasn't sure if he was going to even play again this season. He ends up coming back, and now he gets hit on the head by his own helmet. Extremely scary situation. It's something we've never seen before. And the NFL needs to take swift and severe action because they cannot set any sort of precedent that allows any sort of player to even think that this is a possibility that they'll not, not get away with, but at least be tolerated or at least survive some sort of small suspension. The NFL has to ha- act harshly and swiftly on this. All right. Now, now, some other NFL things that have happened with, with helmets. Okay. Mm-hmm. You remember Kyle Turley? Yep. And we ripped off uh, Damian Robinson, I believe, his helmet of the Jets. I remember watching that game on Sunday night. And he ripped it off his head. And he heaved it about... 30 yards, I guess. Right, Kyle yep. Turley was a big guy. Oh, yeah. Um, but he at least knew, I'm not going to throw it at anybody. He just kind of heaved it in the air. Or he didn't right. strike somebody right. with Right, he just threw it as far away as right. he could to voice his frustration. Right. More, right, more than firing, even throwing it at the player that he ripped it off of. Now, there was also in a, uh, in a Jet Raider playoff game, Lyle Alzado uh, kind of doing that to Chris, Ru- Chris Ward, where he kind of... <laughs> You know, like, whirled up and, tr- and tried to hit him with his helmet. But, you know, Lyle Alzado had, had his own issues. He a great guy, but, he, you know, if anybody knows anything about Lyle Alzado, he took a egregious amount of steroids, wound up dying early and everything. Um, so that, that's kind of what I first thought of when I saw it. Now, this is back. This is talking the 1982 divisional playoff round. So that right. was a long time ago. The NFL ago. was then, way yeah. different than it is now, but and still. There was no cover. I mean, it was covered playoff game, but it wasn't like it is today. Okay. But, you know, I mean, not too many people know much about Miles Garrett as a person other than, you know, he has a quote. I know Stephen A. Smith quoted one of the things he has on his website or his Facebook page or something about being a hero. And uh, obviously the way he acted, I mean, it, we, everybody gets mad. Everybody kind of loses it for a sec. I think when Mason Rudolph, when they were on the ground and Mason Rudolph tried to take off his helmet, that just set him off into... Uh, an area where you know people, I guess it's called the zone, or where, where people don't just, just lose all conscious thought. And I think that's what happened to him. And, I mean, just to grab, I mean, he grabbed him like a rag doll, and he was kind of just, you know, and then he just easily ripped off his helmet. And that's one thing, okay? Like getting him back, maybe it, that, that could be understood. Okay, you know, he's frustrated, rips his helmet, but even that, he could have hurt his neck or whatever. So then the second thing, though, that, and I'm watching this, and I'm saying, oh, my God, like, I, I, 
there was, you know, Keyson Johnson last night, a lot of people said, this could have been so much worse. He could have been, he, he could have been knocked unconscious. He could have been, he could have been killed. I mean, those helmets are freaking heavy. Yeah. They're, they're literally, they are a weapon. They literally are a weapon when ripped off like that and used in the way Miles Garrett used it towards Mason Rudolph. But I, I think what's going to happen, he's obviously going to be suspended for the year. Uh, whether or not he's allowed, whether his career is over, it was for the NFL to determine. He's going to get, it, it's going to be like that, that thing that happened with the Pacers and the, and the Pistons. I literally had that written down here. Two, two different brawls came to mind. Malice and the Palace was one. Like you, for, like, for basically the same, like the reasons you have. It was something that you've never seen before, right? We've never really seen a player go into the crowd and fight a fan, and it was just so out of control that that's sort of how it felt towards <laughs> the end of this game, right? I mean, think about it, right? We saw two things we've never seen before where just a, a real brawl, right? A player, a, a quarterback, especially with the way quarterbacks are protected these days, getting his right. helmet ripped off, and then getting it swung at his own head. We've never seen that before. No. Just like Malice on the Palace, you said, but Ron Artest, Going into the stands right. and finding a fan. We've never seen that before. Well, I mean, there was a case in, in hockey where the Bruins climbed over the boards. Right. And, and yeah, I remember Mike Milbury hitting like a Ranger fan with his own shoe. Right. Yeah. But Mike Milbury wasn't exactly a class act anyway, as we know from his days with the Islanders. But that was like, and that was in the late 70s. And that, I mean, but again, nobody knew about it. I mean, it's on YouTube somewhere only because, you know, they kept highlights of those games back then. But. If, if that would have happened today, the coverage would have been just as, you know. Right, just, right. Like, 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 the, like the mouse in the palace, okay? And so what was the other thing you had? Oh, so also, I'm not sure if you remember this. Miami played FIU. It was probably about 13 or 14 years ago where there was some chippiness. Miami scores a touchdown. And on the extra point, a brawl ensues, like a bench-clearing brawl or a lot of pushing, a lot of shoving, some punches thrown, right? But there was a Miami player came off the bench, I believe. I don't think he was on the field, but either way, took his own helmet off and started swinging it at the other team. So sort of the same situation here, except, I mean, at least those guys had helmets on. Okay. They were being swung at. And I, from the video, it's a little, because, again, it happened 13, 40 years ago. It's not as clear as it is today. I don't believe he made contact with anyone, or if he did, it wasn't in the head or neck area, which, again, obviously now, especially in uh, 2019, that's such a sensitive and such an important topic because we know head trauma, how dangerous it can be. So that is at least the first two things I thought of because that's the only time we've actually seen situations get out of hand and just things we've never seen on the playing field before where boundaries are pushed. This goes beyond football. And to me, like you said, Miles Garrett absolutely should, like with the least that should happen is he doesn't finish the rest of the year. Six games left, that should be the minimum punishment and maybe even bleed into next year because those acts well, that he committed. Is. I think it will. Right? Like the thing I'll say, the reason why I have my doubts is because the NFL, do you, tr- do you honestly trust the NFL to do the right thing or at least levy the right suspension? But if they can't even protect um, their own players from beating women, I, I, don't, I don't know. That's, that, that's my point. I mean, maybe because it's happened on their own field with video and on a national stage nonetheless, this wasn't lost in the 1 o'clock washer games where people, especially with the game in hand late, tune away to go to a different game. This happens on Thursday night, a standalone game. And again, maybe some people turn, turned it off because, again, there was under a minute left and the game was right. already in hand. But yeah, I mean, right. I mean, there, I see, you see a lot of people on Twitter wake up this morning since we're up so early. People are like, what, what the hell happened last night? I went to I bed know. too early. It's just, it's one of those things where, right, like I said, because it has its own spotlight, because it's on its own stage, and because it's so egregious, something we've never seen before, the NFL has to act harshly and swiftly. You know, the, the funny thing about that is, is that I was actually watching the, the Pistons Pacers game. So you when saw the, the Malice no, in the no. Palace live. I was watching them saying, what am I doing? This is a blowout. 
And it was a blowout. And the ESPN game, you know, it was like ESPN had just gotten the contract, you know. So it was kind of interesting to see how they covered the game and everything. And I'm, I remember sitting there and being like, this game is boring. It's like late November, this game is boring. You know, I, let me try and find something else. But in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, because I, I saw kind of the chippiness, okay, with um, uh, Wallace. Uh, ben Benjamin Wallace, right? Ben, ben right. Wallace, you, you and, saw, you know, right. I, I saw it was like, brewing. Maybe something could happen. And you knew, you know, I I'm a St. John's guy, so I I knew that, you know, formerly known as Ron Artest, would could maybe react to something, okay, and that he had been in kind of therapy. And I, I knew the uh, SID who knew him really well was in his wedding. So you know, again, like Artest is a really good guy. He just has some real deep issues that nobody knew about at the time. And I, I, I was in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, should I, you know, maybe I should just keep watching this. Maybe something's going to happen. Not, not that I, you know, was anticipating that. I mean, right. no, nobody I mean, no could one could expect yeah. what happens. But as, as, as I found out about like maybe an hour later and I'm watching sports center, I'm saying, Oh my God, like it figures that I would miss it. Like, <laughs> but same thing with last night, I'm watching the game. And uh, I'm thinking, well, geez, I haven't really done any kind of college basketball research. I need to start doing that. So I, sh- I shut off the game, and then that happens. And I, I, I see, you know, er- Errol messaged me and some of it. You see what's going on. And I had, no, I, had, I had no idea. Then I turn it on, and I see it. And everything that happened, like you're watching it, and it's kind of almost like, he's not going to do that, is he? Oh, my God, he did that. He's not going to do that, is he? You know, and... Right, it's just like you said, it's just unbelievable, and again, there's absolutely no condoning, no way you can spin this if you're a Browns fan or a football fan to put Miles Garrett in the right. And the Browns played great last night, I mean, they're right back in, well, I don't know about right back in, but they're four and six, you know, the Steelers looked like they were, you know, they were overachieving kind of all year, you know, with, you know, second string, third string quarterbacks, you know, without Roethlisberger, and and Pittsburgh's played very well, Minka Fitzpatrick, that trade worked out really well, and the Browns really manhandled them from start to finish. And they made Rudolph look bad. And that really wasn't even as close as 21-7. So instead of the Browns getting, you know, and and now the Browns have won two straight. You know, they beat the Bills and they beat the Steelers, two teams that were, they had to beat if they ever want to get back into the, you know, playoff contention. Okay. So they did that. And, you know, kind of like the fans are maybe a little excited about, hey, maybe the season isn't going to be as bad as we thought it was. And now all this. And Garrett's a big part of their defense. And I saw him after the game, and he looked bewildered, too. I mean, you saw the, you know, I I feel there's a little bit that I feel bad because once something like that happens and you realize what you did, you know, and, and then you realize how many people you hurt, not just the, the, the quarterback, but, like, the, the, how everyone else sees you now, that is, that, that is a really humbling, humiliating thing to go through. It is, and I'm so glad you brought up Miles Garrett in the post Kings. That's exactly what I want to hit on. Because, to me, what's even more, not, what's equally as egregious as what he did on the field is what he said off the field, or I should say didn't say. So you look at Miles Garrett's post game, right? Obviously, he gets ejected. He is... At least some time to cool off, but again, it's not you know hours to reflect on what right. he did, or again, like you said, just you know just a few minutes to reflect on actually the the severity and the what actually happened in that moment, and hopefully the gravity of what he did. You would think he would be contrite and hopefully realize. Instead, the complete opposite happened. He didn't say he didn't apologize to Mason Rudolph once, and he even went as far as to say it was an accident. His quote was saying, "quote It was an accident. 
they're going to feel some type of way. It was foolish on both parts, but they're going to protect their guy just like my guy was going to protect me, end quote. So think about that. He said it was an accident. I, what part, Mark, what part of taking a man's helmet off and then swinging it at that guy, the same guy, is an accident? Not to mention both guys are foolish or foolish on both parts. Listen, so at least with the way I, I view this when I saw it, and obviously we all have seen it a million times, I do think Mason Rudolph, when he was taken to the ground, Showed a little bit of frustration. Like you said, he threw four interceptions that night. He got hit a lot that night. He was terrible in that game. The Browns even did a great job getting pressure on him, forcing mistakes. So I do think a part of it, when Miles Garrett tackled him to the ground, to me, the way I viewed it is I did see Mason Rudolph kind of yank a little bit at the back of Miles Garrett's head. And I think that just showed a little frustration. Like, listen, I'm getting beat up all day. Like, this is just kind of, you know, the icing on top. Like, I'm just going to, the only way I can get out of my frustration, maybe just give him a little yank and just show my displeasure. Now, with that said, at best, maybe you give, you know, a little shove or grab the face mask at best. Not what ensued after. There's no, nothing you can do or say that could condone what Miles Garrett did. So to me, to call it an accident and say foolish on both parts is absolutely mature. And like you said, he does not realize the gravity of what he did. And to me, this, I would take this even a step further, put blame on, on Freddie Kitchen's shoulders as well. Because this is, again, well, you're not, you can't blame Freddie Kitchens and basically saying he's coaching his players to play this dirty and play cheap like that and, and encourage actual dangerous violence to where, like you said, he swings it, let's say he swings it sideways, hits Mason Rowe from the temple. I mean, God, but who knows what could happen, right? Mm-hmm. You're swinging a helmet. It is a weapon to a guy who doesn't have a helmet on is defenseless. But Freddie Kitchens talks about how he doesn't coach penalties. He doesn't con- condone fighting. I mean, let, let's just call facts or facts here. The Browns are undisciplined. They've been undisciplined since, since Freddie took over day one, right? They lead the league in penalties, which you could put a lot on the head coach and discipline. They lead the league in having the most players ejected from games. Like, the thing, they had three players alone ejected last night from the game. And to me, this is a Colts beat writer pointing this out, and I didn't think about it until this morning. It's a great point. Going back, the Colts and Browns had joint practices going back in training camp, right? Before the preseason their preseason game, they, this is a common practice now. A lot of teams scrimmage each other. It was so bad with the fights, they almost canceled the joint practices because they were saying every play ended in a fight somehow. So to me, at least, too, while Freddie Kitchens may not go out there, and again, he was very adamant in the postgame saying he doesn't condone fights because condoning fights is penalties. I don't coach penalties. Well, your team leads the league in penalties. They lead the league in ejections. And at least if you don't nip, the, nip it in the bud right there, in training camp, and again, I get training camp, there's a lot of frustration built up, and it's just a, a grind on players mentally and physically to where, you know, pushing and shoving happens with your own team or with other teams. But when there is literally a fight after every single play to the point where you have media basically questioning why is it still going on, like basically this is like only thing that happens is get worse and players get hurt, that goes directly on the head coach for not having his team in check. And now again, not that it's directly related, but letting those things go, kind of overlooking players' actions on the field, it does boil down to the fact that maybe Miles Garrett thought he, you know, didn't think what he was doing was totally in the wrong or thought he was sticking up for himself. And instead, now, like you said, he cost his team not only a, a feel-good win, and Baker Mayfield after the game said it felt like a loss, which it absolutely does, when something like this just overshadows the game completely and puts just a stain on the entire Browns organization. It, but yeah, that's kind of like... 
pot calling the kettle black right there with Baker Mayfield. I mean, he says a lot of stupid things that gets himself in trouble and the Browns in trouble with his attitude. Does he, though? Not to this level. Well, no. Not to this level. No, obviously, no. Yeah, this is – I'm not comparing, like, the fact that he did something egregious, but with his mouth he can say things that he can, you know, cash checks that he, he doesn't have the money for. So I, I think he sets himself, he sets him own, his own self up. But if he's going to be critical of other people for what they do, I, you know, maybe he's not the best choice to, to come out and say something, even though he's a quarterback. See, he, I actually disagree because I think he's the best person to do it. Because another thing, talking about being undisciplined, talking but about... He's got to lead the example, though. Right, that, that's my point. Like For him to be the been. leader, to be the quarterback and the leader of this team, to say that's unex- inexcusable... To basically say like this, you know, this basically ruined the whole night, and yeah, I, I it think feels that like a loss fine. to me, yeah. right? Because that's something the Browns don't have leaders. They right. don't. But Baker I, Mayfield I, wants to be a leader, and like you said, he's talked. Maybe sometimes put the Browns in a hole, put a target yeah. on their back. That, 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 that's what my point is. I, right, and, and you're fair. Right, he's especially like what the Browns won the Super Bowl in the preseason. Right, the right. preseason hype, all that was talked about. He's, right, he said a lot of these issues that uh, a lot of these disappointments, a lot of these frustrations, have come from his big mouth. And, and, and I think he, it's kind of been a little humbling for him. Maybe he's learned a little bit, you know, and now he's taking a step back. I think this is a good start maybe to at least say, hey, you know what, this, this obviously cannot happen. And as, as a quarterback, and I could, it could have happened to me, you know, this is how I feel about it. You know, it would it's, it'd be nice to see him continue on the path that he's set in these last couple games. Keep I- his mouth shut, go out there and win and then everything else will take care of itself. You're absolutely right. But like I said, I, I do appreciate him coming out and basically you know, not even trying to defend his team. Because that's another thing, too. We see guys all the time stick up for their teammates, what you're supposed to do, right? right. He did not. He like, there, to me, what, what Miles Garrett did will, is indefensible. And at least Baker Mayfield right away noticed that and said that. And to me, I like, I like his leadership, at least in that aspect. Mm-hmm. Because like we said, the Browns do not have leaders. And you look back at this entire this entire year so far, right? Obviously, they bring in a lot of big personalities. Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham Jr., some guys in the defense. Baker Mayfield's a flashy personality. There's just a lot of big personalities in that team. And right now, without really having a leader or an identity, those personalities can clash, and more importantly, they can lead to some failures on the field, which, right, I think in the first eight games we saw, right? But, I mean, don't forget, too, this is the same team that had a defensive back, Whitehead, a few weeks ago, continues to get burned, it's called out by social media by fans and those in the media. He goes to threaten fans and media, tries to fight them, calls other piece, uh, media members, excuse me, racial slurs. Who's this? Uh, a former defensive back, Whitehead. Oh, okay. On the Browns, remember yeah. he went on that entire yeah. Twitter aid and he was cut the next day. Yep. So think about it. You have players. This is the same organization that has their own players after games going after fans, going after media, threatening them, trying to fight them. Say they don't kill them. Like, th- this is an organizational problem. Which is why it goes back to Freddie Kitchens. Again, it's, a, it's absolutely a Miles Garrett problem first and foremost. What he did is inexcusable. It, he went rogue. And that's not something that you can directly pin f- squarely on Freddie Kitchens' shoulders and no right. one else. But when you look at the totality of everything that's happened with the Browns, their fights in the tra- training camp, their undisciplined nature, having the most guys ejected, most penalties. I mean... It is a culture issue. Yeah, well, I think the dysfunction was there way before he Right. Oh, you're, yeah. you're 100% right. It starts so on the top. He's kind of, I, I think it's kind of hard for him maybe to weed all that out right away. Like you said, I mean, what, he, he just gets there as coach, and, and as they do scrimmages, 
uh, or, 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 or right in training, in joint scrimmages against the Colts, right. but it's and just all like these two fights that are happening. You know, I mean, that does fall on the head. I get, I'm 100 with you with the dysfunction. Yeah. I mean, to cut you off. I'm sorry, but doesn't it at least fall on the head coach to get his own players in line? Right, the up top is up top. Yeah. You, you can only control what you can control when there's just dysfunction at the top. But at least Which you think in terms like of for years. Oh, yeah, yeah. right. Them in, you know, since they restarted their right. organization. Them, the Knicks, the Redskins, they're yeah. all in that same sort Post of the boys. Right, rinse and repeat. But it isn't on you as a head coach <laughs> like to just at least control I like the article, your own. By the way, too. Oh, thank the you. Was very good. I, I, thank I you. sent it out to like everybody, and I, I was going to send you a note, but I forgot. No, no, no worries. We'll, we'll get to that yeah. about why <laughs> wins matter in college football. Um, but I guess my last point I want to make, and we get your take as well. The other thing I took out of this was obviously once Miles Garrett did what he did, you saw Marquise Pouncey, an offensive lineman for the Steelers, come in, throw punches. Once Miles yeah, Garrett was down him. the ground, I mean, it kicked turned him into in like head. a gang brawl after right. that. It was just a free-for-all. I mean, he was on the ground and <laughs> kicking him. And then you see Mason, uh, Mason Rudolph, somebody from the Browns, like, throws him down. And Mason, you can see Mason Rudolph say, you know, a word that rhymes with itch. Yeah. And, uh, it, I mean, just, it, 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 it turned into like a street brawl. No, it, I felt right. like I was watching the WWE. It absolutely did. But with that said, I hope the NFL does the right thing, takes everything into consideration. To me, Marquise Pouncey does not deserve to get suspended. For what he, what he did, as, again, like you said. Well, the kicking, he, the kicking, I think. I get it. Maybe, you know, could it, like, the kicking, I think, maybe, maybe could, could they could look at it and say, well, he didn't need to do that. But you're right. I, I, I think that at this point, he just lost his mind. Because once you see somebody get hit with a helmet, you like, are you serious? Right. Like, like how else are you supposed to justify right. that behavior? Like, when you see your, especially two quarterbacks, like you said, offensive linemen are bred more poorly to block yeah, the guy from him yeah. than protect your guy. These guys are guard Pro- dogs. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. For how much money, doesn't matter, third string, second string, like, protect matter. the quarterback at all costs. Yeah. So when you see another player, right, take off your quarterback's helmet and then swing it and hit him, right. to me, I don't like, that is just instincts coming through Marquis Pouncey, doing every he can to send a message like, you are not going to hurt my guy. And yeah. I respect him standing up. For yeah, his he, guy. Right. And again, you're right. He kicked him when he was down. He punched him when he was down. He, he, the it, punching, he, I understand. Right. Yeah, yeah obviously. And I, I honestly don't have a problem with the kicking. I don't. Because, like, like, to me, when you have such an egregious situation where you have a player swing his own, like swing another player's helmet, hit him in the head, to me, kind of all bets are off. Because yeah. we've never, <laughs> never seen that before. Kind of justifies a reaction that you've never really seen on a football field before and kicking someone and punching them when they're down. Because, you know, there has to be some sort of justice. There has to be some sort of sticking up for a guy, rallying around. Like, to me, it would have been a bigger indictment if that happened, basically, and all, and all the offensive linemen do is push Miles Garrett away and just kind of tend to, their, you know, tend to Mason Rudolph. To me, like you said, when you're defending your own guy, I can't fault that. And I, I can't hurt the Steelers, who we'll get to in a little bit later, talking about you know, playoff contenders. They are 5-5. Five and five. The, the, Every game is a playoff game, playoff game for them, right? They're still in it. I, I can't justify... Suspending Marquise Pouncey, hurting the entire team because an, a guy in the other team went essentially rogue, all, almost let's not be almost killed someone on the field, and your right. your reaction is just because again you almost saw right. something catastrophic. Right. That at least to me justifies what Marquise Pouncey did. Right. Him and David Acasio, I hope they don't get suspended. Fine, you can find them. I get it because like right. you said, optics are bad. Kicking yeah. someone when they're down. Right. Finding is great. Yeah, suspending. I mean, they, they did what they were supposed to do. Right. Exactly. Yeah. They're doing their where they were coached. And you want to see them do that if you're a coach. I, I, I would actually if they were fined, I would I would pay the fine if I was a coach. I'm 100 percent with you. Yeah. Mike Tomlin, the Rooney's, some probably for ownership, but the Rooney's should pay that fine, whatever it is for for, mm-hmm. uh, for Marquis Pants, and hopefully they appeal if a suspension is given down. Do you, 
Do you remember the Knicks Heat brawl? Do you, do you, I mean, it was in 1997. But I remember, do not. Okay. I mean, I'm looking at you. Yeah, like you would remember. <laughs> you, Hold on. You're, both, you're, you're well, younger than him. Uh, so in, in 1997, there was a brawl between the Knicks and the Heat. It was game five of the one. Houston Conference semifinals. Mm-hmm. The Knicks were up three games to one. And they had just taken out their starters. So they had all their bench players in. And uh, Charlie Ward got tied up with P.J. Brown uh, on a foul shot. And then P.J. Brown kind of flipped him over his shoulder. And then a melee ensued, okay? And then you had Knicks players coming off the bench. You had John Starks. You had Alan Houston, Larry Johnson, all the starters, essentially, coming off the bench. And that, not to make the fight work, but kind of to break things up. And even Patrick Ewing didn't necessarily leave the bench area, but he went to, like, kind of midcourt. And him and, him and Morning were kind of uh, talking. Or, or He was communicating with somebody. So... What happened was there was a rule in the NBA that if you leave the bench at all, yep. for any reason, okay? Now, that rule was put in place because the Heat and the Hawks had a, a brawl in 1994 in the playoffs that was really bad, where, you know, it was like everybody came off the bench. So the NBA just instituted, you know what? You come off the bench at all for any reason. I don't care if it's as a peacemaker, you were going to get suspended. Yep. So what happened was for game six, now the Knicks were up 3-1. Now they're up 3-2. They go back to the Garden. And five guys are suspended. You have Johnson, Starks, Charlie Ward, Chris Childs, and Patrick Ewing. Okay? So they had to break up the suspensions. And uh, I think it was Allen Houston and Larry jo- – uh, Allen Houston and, and Charlie Ward missed – Allen Houston, Charlie Ward, and Patrick Ewing missed game six. Okay. Okay? And, and – like, Ewing was like, why am I being suspended at all? Because he never actually went onto the court. He kind of just left the bench area. The Knicks lose game six in a tough, like, you've got to consider, the Knicks had, like, nine guys. And, like, one of them was Scott Brooks, Walter McCarty, who we're going to talk about later, because he, co- he was the coach for um, Evansville that beat Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Um, John Wallace, like, all, like, Right. These guys, like, these guys weren't playoff performers, right. you know? Right. And, and this is a game, like, if the Knicks beat them, yep. they go to the Eastern Conference Finals and get a rematch with the Bulls. You know, they kind mm-hmm. of, them and the Bulls in the 90s was a big thing. Like, yep. Knicks fans were kind of waiting for that. Yep. And they were, they were clearly better than the Heat, who were the top, who had won the division. They, had the, they were the highest seed. It was a, it was a great playoff series, but that, that, that whole thing cost the Knicks that series, that un, kind of undisciplined, not... You know, Charlie Ward got thrown over P.J. Brown's back. So Charlie Ward's going to, you know, Charlie Ward's a football player. I mean, he won the Heisman yep. Trophy, for crying out loud. So he's going to, you know, react. And, and he kind of went back at P.J. Brown. But the only reason why that was really cost the Knicks was because the other guys came off the bench. Right. And like you said, right, the rules are in place. You can't do it. Right. And it's, and that, it's a that, little bit. That wound up costing them. Yep. You know? Yeah. So it can right. cost you. Absolutely. You know, if you lose control, that can cost you. And just think, too, like you said, with, this just kind of brought this last point, at least I want to make here, wrapping it up, is like you see, you said, what happened with the Knicks and the Heat happened right in front of everyone. That's kind of why the bench is like, it's almost like instinct, right? You see your guy getting beat up. It's, almost, it's yeah, hard for you to not, right, instinct. to not try to back your guy up. Thank God where this happened, when this happened, a lot of the Browns players who's postgame didn't see it, right? At least, you know, they brought Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry on the set after the game. They both didn't see it live. Baker Mifflin, like, this is one of those plays because it happened behind the play, oh, all right. obscurely, not too many people actually understood what happened and saw Miles Garrett swing the helmet, which I think is a good thing because could you imagine 
And this happened right in the middle of the play where as it's going on, someone's getting tackled, a helmet's ripped off, and his head, like, and swung at the guy whose head ripped off, and everyone there saw it. Because you, you talk about, you know, right, talk about a bench-clearing brawl with the Knicks and the oh, yeah. Heat. That could have been a bench-clearing brawl because, like you said, it's just instinct to back up your right, guy. When you see something that, chaos, yeah. that dangerous and life-threatening, you have no choice but to kind of run off and try to defend your guy and break it up. That could have gotten even uglier than it already happened. Even, so, even the guys that are, like, their instinct is to protect and to kind of shield their players from making it worse, even those guys are going to be like, I, I want to get this guy. Right, you know, exactly. So, yeah. Especially if you're on the Steelers style, you see what happens. Like, you want to protect your guy at all costs. So thankfully, at least in terms of when it happened, it, it could have gotten a lot worse. Let's say, right, it could have gotten a lot it, worse where, where he hit Mason Rudolph in the head because, again, Goffman, he could have been deadly or seriously injured. And thank God, you know, a, a brawl or a melee, bench clearing brawl didn't ensue. So... That's just, like I said, uh, just one play with eight seconds left mars the entire Thursday night game in which the Browns did win. Um, so coming off that game, we'll, we'll, come, we'll come back with this little buy or sell segment here. Especially in the AFC, the playoff picture is wide open. You have the Patriots, you have the Ravens, you have the Chiefs, and kind of everyone else fighting for division crowns and wild card spots. The NFC is a little bit tougher, but there's probably about seven or eight teams that could go either way with the playoffs. We'll get Mark's take, we'll get my take on will they make the playoffs or not. I got one more thing to sure. say. Sure. The only thing I can compare it to is the Islanders and Capitals played in the playoff series in 1993. And Dale Hunter for the Capitals, after Pierre Turgeon scored a goal to make it 5-1 five, five to, to one now, Islanders. And it's clear the Islanders were going to eliminate the Caps. Mm-hmm. And the Caps were the division winner, and they were the top seed. I don't know if it was, it was a 2-3 or 1-4. That was back when the divisions played each other. So one played four, two played three. And the Caps had home ice advantage. That's all I know. And um, Turgeon scored to kind of put the game away with about 10 minutes left in the third period. And, and as Turgeon was celebrating, okay, Dale Hunter checks him into the boards really hard. Okay? Now, now, Pierre Turgeon was the Islanders' best player. Pierre Turgeon was a superstar. He had, I believe, 132 points that year. This guy, like, like that ranks like in the top five in Islander history. Mm-hmm. Okay? He was traded for a... Uh, uh, Pat LaFontaine was traded by the Islanders, and they got Benoit Hogue and Pierre Turgeon back. Right. And Turgeon was a budding superstar. He was like maybe 22, 23. Right. So he, he was kind of like what, after scoring a goal. He was kind of what, what Matt Barzell is now. Okay. okay. And he separates his shoulder. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I, as a fan, I'm like, I want to literally jump through the TV set and find Dale Hunter. I still cannot stand Dale Hunter. Mm-hmm. He's still in the NHL. If Dale Hunter died, I mean, I wouldn't. Maybe I feel bad. But, wow. But okay. I, I just think we that see, was that, that was how you really God. feel. That, that was got so. Dark. But that Holy was smokes. so. That was so bad. Oh, After you score a goal, that was so gutless and spineless. Yep. And chicken, you know what? Yep. To do that, and he did it on purpose. Okay. Well, if I, I was if I was on the Islanders, I would have chased him out of the arena. I would have followed him to his hotel. I would have made sure he did not leave Long Island. Without getting his Holy just smokes. reward, I oh swear to God, God, I would have. This is awesome! Wow! But <laughs> but that that <laughs> I, I could understand like if if you were on the field like seeing that happen to one of your one of your guys right, like, as a fan, that's how I felt. Right? Because it was so ridiculous. Like the fact that you would hit a guy after he scored a goal because you're you're a baby. Right. And your team's going to be eliminated. So Hunter wound up being suspended for 50 games the next year, and then but but what what really ticked me off is there was a couple guys on the Islanders who were just thugs. Like, uh, Rich, Richie Pilon was a thug. 
Like, he could barely skate, and he was a guy who would put on the ice to just beat somebody up, okay? Pilon happened to be on the ice when that happened. So, I'm, yeah, I wasn't watching him. Like, Pilon's going to go over and kill him, and I'm like, right. you know? But what happened was he went over, and, and he hit him. He hit Hunter, but he kind of lost his balance, and then, like a coward, Hunter skates off the ice like a little coward, and he goes off to the dressing room, and he's not even there when this whole melee is going on. Because the Islanders are like, not only that, but they lost Turgeon for the series against the Penguins. They still wind up beating the Penguins, and then wind up going, losing to the, to the Canadians in the, in the Eastern right, but Conference like Finals. You said, that, but that could have cost them, not just in that game, but that cost them the series, and it could have you know, had but it cost, season-long it, it ramifications. It changed Turgeon's career. Yeah, Turgeon was no longer the player he was. He was going to, I, I don't know if he's even like maybe talk about being in a Hall of Fame. I mean, he still had a good career, but he was a superstar then. Right, okay? and like you said, it just and something, it totally that destroyed small, his career. That Bush League changed the entire trajectory of like not just that, that the series and the yeah. rest of the season for Islanders for his career, and that's why I'm with you. You know, Mason Rudolph came after the game called what uh, what Garrett did a coward. I think at least at least. The rest of the season for Miles Garrett, maybe even stretch the next season eight or ten games, I would not be upset. Um, I actually hope that's the case because if you know, Kareem Hunt gets eight games for what he did, that despicable act. I mean, that should be at least the bar, right, for what what Miles Garrett should get. And you could understand why right. these guys reacted the way they did. Why these guys felt like you know, right. they needed to just inspire this. You know, we we have to get him because this guy's going to hurt one. Like. He did that on purpose? Right, exactly. You know, yeah. So I, I, that, that I could understand. I hope Marquise Pouncey, like you said, and David DeCastro, two offensive linemen, that kind of, that threw, or at least Pouncey's case, threw some punches and kicked Garrett while he was down. So I hope they don't get suspended, at least, and hurt the actual team. Because like you said, all you're doing is just an instinctual back of guy for just an egregious cowardly act by Miles Garrett. So like you said, we'll do a little buy or sell. We have 10 teams that could possibly make the playoffs. We'll get Mark's take, my take. Are you buying this team as a playoff contender? Are you not? When we come back, and we'll have Dick Vitale, 8, I mean, excuse me, it's 8.50 now, <laughs> 10 a.m. on the East Coast. Very excited to talk to Dick about Make-A-Wish, him and Mark's relationship, but also some college basketball as well. So it is the Morning Boys, Ryan Hickey, Mark Everett Kelly, Austin Todd Monfew on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It is the morning, boys. Ryan Hickey, Mark Everkelly, Austin Todd. I'm with you on this Friday morning. Thanks so much for listening. We are all over the digital platforms. Uh, if you want to watch us or listen to us, we're on Twitter at WWSRN underscore radio, where you can watch a live feed or listen to the show. Um, WorldWideSportsRadio.com, same sort of thing. You can watch us live or listen. We're also on TuneIn, Periscope, YouTube. So t- a ton of digital platforms where you can find us. We're here every Tuesday, Friday. 8 a.m. to 11 a.m. You want to give us a call, 1-877-909-9977 if you want to talk about how long Miles Garrett should be suspended for, what your initial reactions to watching that just debacle last night. Miles Garrett takes Mason Rudolph's helmet off his head and then hits him in the head with his own helmet. Again, 1-877-909-9977. Myself and Mark both think, at least for the rest of the season, at the very least, maybe, you know, bleeding the next season. We saw Vontez Burfitt get suspended for, I believe it was a total of, was it 11 games for his hit, um, for a targeting hit, but that's also back to his, um, his pass as well. So, Mark, obviously now with that there, there is some football to talk about. There's a lot of football to talk about. Week 11 in the NFL season, 
right? So now you, you kind of think at this point rather than you know, anything else, we know what a lot of teams are. Are they contenders? Are they pretenders? Now it obviously has a lot to shake out with each division as the AFC is more wide open than the NFC. But I want to get your take. We have about nine teams here that could go either way where you think they're playoff contenders or pretenders. So you want to do a little, a little buy or sell here? Yeah, what, what we got? Buy or sell. The game show over you. Will you buy or sell? <laughs> now on little to game you. show music. We could yeah. be... Uh, buy or sell, you know. Buy so, or sell. Buy or sell, Mark. We'll start with the Steelers from last night. They lose the game. Oh, you can keep it going. Oh, keep it going. Right, good. Yeah, we'll have it underneath right, us. Come good. on. Be... You got to lower the little bit, though. There we go. Yeah, we'll keep it on either. Come on, we're, we're, having a, we're having a good time here. It's a Friday. Right, here we go. Oh, I closed out of it. Holy That's cow. That's good, right? Austin. Holy keep cow. Keep on going. Keep on going. All right. We'll be okay. So. How many job interviews did you have the other day? A lot. Okay. Here we go. So, we'll start with Tifa last night, Mark. The Steelers, they lose, again, 21-7. They dropped to 5-5 five and five on the season. Do you sell, buy or sell the Steelers can make the playoffs? They are right now, let me just pull it up. In the playoff yeah. standings, they are eighth. So they are just on the outside looking. Obviously, the top four division winners, two two wild cards, so six teams make it from each conference. The, right now, the Steelers five and five, just behind the Colts in the eighth position. Let me look at their schedule. I have their schedule. You ready? Right. So after losing to the Browns, they have Bengals. at the Bengals, home against the Browns, at the Cardinals, home against the Bills, finish off at Jets, at Ravens. I, I think I, I would buy them. Buy? Yeah. Mark is buying the Steelers. Like I said, it is a winnable one, two, Bengals, three. Cardinals. Road games are Bengals, Cardinals, Jets, and then Ravens. Obviously hard. Um, right. Well, interesting with the Ravens, though, too. Week 17, Ravens right now are, are second seed in AFC. If they have everything locked up, right. you got to assume they would not play Lamar Jackson there. You can't. Or play right. for maybe just a little bit. Mm-hmm. That could be a game where it looks like on paper it's a loss. you got to see maybe the, the Ravens are resting a lot of guys. Could it change that? But, again, you're buying, so I guess either way you, you're still buying it on the Steelers. Right. I mean, it's not. I mean, the Bengals and uh, the Ravens and Steelers play tight. I mean, right. the game before was 26-23. Right, which overtime. That was yeah. the game Mason Rudolph was knocked unconscious, left yeah. the game. Devin Hodges came in, right, led them to at least overtime. So you never know. You never know. So you're taking Steelers by, I you're do. buying them. I do, yep. See, I, I was buying them until last night. And I get, like, one game shouldn't change your perspective. But to me, just watching the way Mason Rudolph looks so lost. Like, this Browns defense is not world beaters. They're not the 1985 Bears out there. right? They have struggled, especially stopping the run. The Steelers could not do anything last night. Mason Rudolph looks so lost through four picks, wasn't reading coverages. The offensive line struggled to keep him upright. To me, like that, that doesn't, that's not just not a one-game thing that you should worry about. To me, that should, I, I'm nervous going forward. And again, the Bengals should be a win. At the Jets should be a win. But... I mean, at home against the Browns, I can't say that for sure it's a win. The Cardinals, while their record is not indicative, they, they are team. better. They are absolutely, absolutely better. Absolutely right. That's no easy win. The Bills are a very, very good team defensively, which I, mean, I don't really trust Mason Rudolph. Although I don't trust Josh Allen at all. I don't trust Mason Rudolph. Yeah, it's a home game. Right. So I, he, I'm a little skeptical right now on the Steelers. To me, I would sell if, you know. But here's the thing. You, you're, you're forgetting a very important factor here. The motivation factor here after what happened yesterday. That's you know that's a good point. It's interesting to see like right. You would think an incident like this would this happen last night together, would yeah. galvanize a team, especially like I said for the way they uh, 
they um, rallied around Rudolph coming to his defense. You think that it could galvanize, but we'll see. Like I said, we'll, we'll see. I, I just I'm skeptical, and right now it's up to me. I'm selling on the Steelers. How about the Raiders? Five and four in the year. Talk about it right now. If the playoffs started today, they would be that sixth wild card spot. You buying or selling with John Gruden? It's been out there in Oakland. I'm still thinking about that phone call he had with Antonio Brown earlier. Oh. Do you want the schedule for the Raiders to yeah, help you out? I, I have the schedule I, for I every got, team. Got okay. Um, they got. They got a pretty easy schedule, it looks like. I mean, what, at, at Kansas City is their closest game? Not the closest game, toughest game? Yeah. Bigger? I mean, all these other teams are beatable. Right, at the Chiefs, right. Titans at home, Jags I mean, at home, at Chargers, at Broncos. Here's, 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 here's look, I'll, I'll give you a couple predictions, okay? Two things I think will happen this weekend. I think the Chargers will beat the Chiefs. Ooh, in Mexico City. Yeah, because if it was at San Diego, I would say no. If it was at Kansas City, I would say yes, absolutely. The, the Chargers are going to win. But being at, originally, I saw this other Chargers home game. But you know, I, even if I feel like they, this is a game they typically would win. The fact that it's at home might. But now I, I know it's a neutral site game. That is going to, I think, help them. So I, I think the Chargers okay. win that game. The other thing I think that will happen this weekend is the Eagles are going to beat the Patriots. Wow. So Are, I, I think you're already things, jumping yeah. the gun on, on the pick segment, huh? Look at that. Yeah, but uh, I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm just saying that because my, my point for that is that the division still will be a play here because the yep. Chiefs aren't going to be a they're lock. They're 6 and 4. They're right there. I mean, to win the division. So I think the Raiders could win a division. Okay, so you're so buying I would the Raiders. Buy them, yeah. I'm with you. I'm buying the Raiders. Totally wrong on John Gruden. Their, their defense has looked good. David Carr, I mean, David, Derek Carr has fit into the offense nicely. He has, right? Yeah, he had a great year. Everybody forgets. Like, right. In 2016, this guy was borderline MVP candidate. Absolutely right, until he broke his ankle. Mm-hmm. And like you said, despite all the A-B drama and all that, I mean, the offense has looked good. Josh Jacobs has been nice. Darren Waller has been good. They drafted well, too, which is important. Mm-hmm. Credit to the Raiders. They accumulated a lot of draft picks through the Amari uh, Cooper trade, the Khalil Mack trade. They drafted well so far. They said, I like their schedule. Bengals at the Jets. They have the Jaguars at home, and then two road games finish out the year at Chargers at the Broncos. I think 9-7 and seven get you a playoff spot in the AFC. I think the Raiders get there, and I do think the Raiders will make it as a wild card, get into the playoffs. Another, I, think I think they'll finish 10-6, and six, and I think they'll win. In, they'll be in there for the division. And the Raiders already have some decent wins. I mean, they beat the Colts. They beat the, uh, the Bears. Oh, those are pretty two deep. Well, Bears have failed, failed out. But. Lions, Tigers, and Bears are mine. <laughs> Speaking of the Colts, they are 5-4. They are right on the outside looking in right now. They're in the seventh spot if the playoffs were to start today. Their schedule's a little tough. Home Jaguars at the Texans. They saw the Titans. They still have to go on the road at the Saints, at the Jaguars, get the pan like so their their schedule's a little tough. What do you think about the Colts? No. Selling. Yeah, every, every time I hear Jaguars, I think the way they, remember the day way Dan Patrick used to say it? The Jag, Jag, Jaguars? Ugh. Jaguars. Jaguars. <laughs> you, you, you know, I'm looking at you again. <laughs> what? Like it, well, I got you. You're what, 22? 23. Yeah. Okay. Do you know who Dan Patrick is? <laughs> oh, jeez. He's an announcer. Okay. I, I'm just saying, he hasn't been on SportsCenter for a while. <laughs> just no, no more, I mean, we're done with the music, huh? No, wait, this is a shock. <laughs> you look at it. He looked at me with a death stare. Like, what? Austin's not messing around. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Austin. I did not mean to insult you. Yeah, <laughs> don't get on Mark's bedside. Like, you know, that Islander story. He's gonna crawl over Mark here. can go to a, a dark space. I'll tell you this. Did you see that? I will I'm not even him. joke around with Mark anymore. 
If he's late, Mark, you can come three hours late. I'm not saying a word. Take my lunch money. It's it's all yours, you know? Holy cow. Mark talking about trying to He's a criminal. Not 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 allow a Capitals player off of Long Island. Now, he, uh, at least you didn't say alive. At least you left that part yeah, out. So right. he, he could I, leave alive, but... I, I might let him up. Barely. You know, maybe he'll leave without either kneecap. Um, so, so to get back to the question here, I, I'm going to buy in the Colts, honestly. And the way I look at this is, to me, their roster construction is good enough to where they are deep all over the place. The wider series have been disappointing. They do get Jacoby Brissett back this week, which we saw just Brian Hoyer, just night and day difference in the offense when he's out there. Their losses do scamings. They haven't really played too well, but they also do have some decent wins against the Chiefs and against the Texans. So to me, that they're getting healthier on offense. Jacoby Brissett returns. I like their defense is playing really well. So to me, that that is the reason why I'll, I'll take the Colts to buy. I like their roster as probably as high as anyone else right now in this wild card race. We'll stick with the AFC South. How about the Titans, Mark? Five and five. I mean, since Ryan Tannehill took over, they are three and one. Mm-hmm. Look like a different team. They just beat the Chiefs at home. Are you buying the Titans? As legitimate playoff contenders, I like their win over the over the Chiefs. Okay, and Tannehill, I think, is has a bit of a chip on his shoulder because with the Dolphins, he was always kind of they're waiting for him to develop into this, this next uh, franchise quarterback, and he never did. But mostly, I think it was due to injuries. Yep, absolutely. Uh, I think he's like the thing about Tannehill that drove me. I mean, it didn't drive me nuts because I never really rooted for him, but I, I think that. You kept waiting for this uh, growth to happen, and, and the Dolphins would beat a, a good team, and then they'd put themselves in a great position, and then they would lose the teams they shouldn't lose to. So I, I don't know if he's over that yet, but he definitely looks like he's matured a little bit. So, I mean, you look, they've won three of the last four games, like you said, and they've beaten, you know, Chargers, even though it, okay, the Chargers... The Chargers can beat anybody. Yep. So they, they, they absolutely manhandled the Packers. And absolutely, were, yeah. Packers are one of the better teams in football. All right, the Buccaneers' offense is pretty good, and they beat they beat the Buccaneers, and they win over the Chiefs. Again, you're beating the Chiefs, even though the Chiefs have lost a couple home games. It's, it's normally something they wouldn't do. They beat them with Mahomes. So I would buy them. But I, I might be buying too much at this point. I, I, I might lose my money. <laughs> um, so uh, I might have to take your lunch money. Oh, boy. <laughs> so maybe we start, we'll stop buy or sell right now because Mark is just going to keep on buying. Oh, keep on buying. Like he's going to use my money. He's going to take Austin's money. Yeah. Errol's I'm money like is a, next. I'm like the Bernie Sanders of that. <laughs> uh, I'm going to sell on the Titans. And for all, like, I, I agree with all the reasons you said, right? This team is like a different team under Ryan Tannehill. Outs like especially with Mar- Marcus Mariota, they scored forty-three points against the opener against the Browns. They didn't eclipse twenty points after that game with Mariota under center. Since Sano came in, over twenty points every game. Now again, f- four games, small sample size, but it's still been a nice, productive output offensively. But the thing that scares me is their schedule. Yeah, tough schedule. Yeah. Right at the Colts, at the Raiders, they played the Texans twice, and the Saints come to town. That's a tough schedule. So although they've been playing well. The defense has been a little shaky these last few games. I like the way Ryan Tannehill's kind of taken over. Because of the schedule, I'm going to sell on the Titans. And I think next year, if they can find a quarterback, I mean, this team is built to win right now. It's just finding a quarterback and get the ball out. We saw Marcus Mariota is not the answer. We'll see if the, if, the, if the Titans next year can take a step forward, be a legitimate playoff team. We'll finish in the AFC South. Or, I'm sorry, we'll finish the AFC South with one more team. We still have a few more to go. The Jaguars are 4-5. and five, Obviously on the outside looking in big time. But what's interesting to me is Nick Foles comes back this week. 
going into the Colts. Obviously, he hasn't played since week one, suffering that collarbone injury. We see the magic Nick Foles does late in the season when he comes in in relief. He did with the Eagles two years in a row, relieving Carson Wentz. One results in a Super Bowl. The next went to the NFC Divisional Round, where they almost beat the Saints at home uh, in, in the Dome. Are you buying Nick Foles' magic can kind of dig the Jaguars out of this hole again? No, I, I think their schedule is too tough. I mean, you look at they have four road games. Even at the Falcons isn't going to be easy. You saw the Falcons beat the Saints. The Falcons got so much talent. It's like yep. you wonder how they could be so bad this year. But even their home, their home games, you know, Tampa, the Chargers, and the Colts, those are tough home games. You know, Bucks can put 30 up on you. The Chargers, you never know what you're going to get. You know, they're like, a, you know, like life's like a box of tacos. You <laughs> right. never know what you're going to get. You don't. You're 100% and right. Mama always said, Mama always said Chargers, you never know what you're going to get. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I think that if I'm talking about the Jaguars, even even if Nick Foles comes back and, see, the thing made is, people forget, he was good with the Eagles before. He had 27 touchdowns and two picks one year with the Eagles before. Mm-hmm. Then he went away in free agency, and he was awful with every other team. Yep. He still hasn't shown that he can win with anybody but the Eagles. That's and, fair. Yeah, so I got to see that. And I, I, I'm, I'm happy for what he did. I think the, how he, he did that, kind of like reminiscent a little bit of Jeff Hostetler with the Giants. So I think that that's great for, for you know getting him this contract, but I still don't think until I see it that he can – be a guy that can win with anybody other than that kind of system that he's familiar with and being in Philadelphia. And, you know, I, kind of, I think that kind of helped. Um, and he had a very good team with him, too. I, I, I don't think that there's that, that talent there with Jacksonville. I'm with you 100%. Like I said, I just, to me, it's like the, it's too big of a hole for the Jaguars to get out of. I mean, at the Colts, at the Titans, like I said, the, the Chargers, you never know what you're going to get. At the Raiders, at the Falcons. To me, like I said, nine and seven has to be the bar. Where if you go nine and seven, you're at least in the mix. Maybe you can get one, but ten wins obviously would secure that. So look at the Titans; they did at least five wins against the Colts, Titans, home against the Bucks, home against the Chargers, at the Raiders, at the Falcons, home against the Colts. I mean, I don't see a guaranteed at least five wins there. Um, more, you know, even if they go four and three, it's not gonna be good enough. So because the hole is so big. Because the you know the mountain they have to climb is steep, I don't think that the Jaguars could do. It. I'm selling with you, and um, you're right. Like Nick Foles hasn't shown he can win outside of Philly, and I think that second year run was galvanized because they saw what the Eagles saw what he could do leading the Super Bowl. They believed, and just it was a weird. It's a different team with Nick Foles compared to Carson Wentz, and at least for now, I think that's contained just to the Eagles' success. Um, so with you, I am going to sell on the Jaguars. Speaking of the Eagles. They are 5-4 and four right now, right behind the Cowboys in the NFC East. This looks like it's going to be a one-bid uh, division with the NFC just so tough. So you buying Eagles 5-4, and four, you're already picking them to beat the Patriots. They still have the Seahawks to play, the Cowboys. They play the Giants twice, which helps. Do you see the Eagles making a run to the playoffs? Well, I think, obviously, it's going to be between them and Dallas. And here's the thing I think they have in their favor. Dallas humiliated them. Okay, they're, they're going to have their as a target. On mm-hmm. Okay. I think that they'll wind up winning the division and yeah, I'll buy them. And that, that that's not really a slight on Dallas. I think Dallas is, is good enough, but they've lost some games here the last couple of weeks that have shaken my confidence in them. And the biggest thing 
obviously, that I hold against the Cowboys is that they lost to the Jets. That cannot happen. If you make the playoffs and you lose to the Jets, it's not good. Yeah. I, I'm with you. I'm going to buy the Eagles as well. Um, I like their schedule better than the Cowboys. Um, and I do. I, I really do believe the Eagles have a ton of talent. They've just been injury injury prone. So I think if they can get a little bit healthier, I do like the Eagles again. Tough game this week against the Patriots. It doesn't get any easier against the Seahawks. But look at the back end. They play the Dolphins, the Redskins. They have the Giants twice. And like you said, too, the Cowboys at home, which I think is huge, coming up that embarrassing game early in the year. And with the Cowboys, like they have yet to beat a winning team at the time they played them. They're 5-4. and four. But they, they, you know, they're bullies. They beat teams that are worse than them, and then they don't show up with teams that are equally or better. You saw they just fold against the Vikings. At the Lions now, at the Patriots, at the Bears, at the, I mean, they, they got a At tough the Eagles, schedule. the Rams. Rams home, at home, right, Bills like, at home, yeah. Bill, yeah, the, like you said, there's only team right now is the Redskins and the Lions under 500. The Lions are a tough team. Like, so, they right, are. they could win. They like the, the Cardinals. Right. So if you if you look at it where the Patriots I mean, the Eagles have to basically be Patriots, Seahawks, or Cowboys, just one of the three, and just take care of business against the other four teams, they should get to nine or ten wins. I'm with you. Buying on the Eagles, selling the Cowboys. Two teams left. We'll do. How about the Panthers? Surprising, Cam Newton doesn't play this week too. Mm. Kyle Allen has given them some energy. They're five and four now. Again, the NFC is very very tough. Where if you want to look at wild card teams, because essentially that's probably what's going to have to come down to with the Saints seven and two. Seahawks are 8-2, Vikings are 7-3. and three. So it's a tough ask for them to kind of climb back, but do you think the Panthers at least could be in the mix? Can they get to 9 or 10 wins here to at least yeah, get themselves I, in I, the mix? I don't think that's going to be enough because there, there are two wild cards that are going to come out of it, right? Yep. And you could have those two wild cards coming out of the NFC West. I mean, if the Rams I, – I, I assume the Rams are going to get their, their act back together. Um, and then, even, okay, say it doesn't come out of the NFC West. It's going to come out of – the NFC North. North. So I, I'm with you. It's just, there's been a nice story. They've been tough. Like yep. they, I mean, listen, they put the they pushed the Packers to the last game of, the, of uh, or last play of the game. Yeah. They got stuffed at the half yard line. Yep. So they can prove on the road they could play with anyone. But I'm with you. Just being five and four, having such a tough NFC this year, where right now the worst team in, in terms of having a playoff spot is seven and three. It would mean an utter collapse in the Vikings and just an incredible run for the Panthers. And, and they got absolutely destroyed by the Niners. I think if they would have had a better showing in that game, that would have given me more confidence, but they, that game wasn't close. You're right. Yeah, that was a, just an absolute blow. But besides, I mean, to be fair to the Panthers, besides that, with, with the back of Corbin and Kylon, they've been competitive in every game since, which is nice to see. Um, but I'm with you, just too tough. And finally, well, speaking of what you just hit on it, the Rams. They're also 5-4. and four. The representative of the NFC in the Super Bowl last year can they turn it around? Like you said, they still have an uphill, uphill climb to go against the Vikings and the Seahawks. They have to chase one of those two teams. Seahawks right now are in this, at least in the division. The Seahawks are in two. So do you think the Rams, now they are the first team out at 5-4. and four. Can they turn it around, get a playoff spot, and try to defend their NFC West or NFC uh, Super Bowl crown? All right, well, you got home games against the Bears, Ravens, Seahawks, and Cardinals. Those are all tough games. Yep. Even uh, the Cardinals are, like we said, Cardinals are a tough opponent. I mean, they haven't gotten enough credit. No. They really haven't. Okay, because everyone thought they were going to be god-awful. And they have been very entertaining. They have been in every game. They have been exciting. They've been I, they've been a, a revelation, at least. You know, the Cardinals don't have a great history of winning. Um, so I, I, I think that they're able to 
really grow from that. I mean, Kyler Murray is better than I thought he would be. I mean, I, I think he's kind of short, and maybe he would have some some problems because of that, but he's really played well. You know, or at least for a rookie that, that's dealing with situations he's dealing with. But anyway, we're not talking about them. We're talking about the Rams. Uh, then they have at, at the Cardinals, at Dallas, at the 49ers. So they got, a, obviously, a tough schedule. But the Rams are a, an explosive team. They've kind of underachieved at this point. Where if, they, if you're losing 17-12 at Pittsburgh and, and only scoring 12 points at an inexplicable loss to the Buccaneers where they gave up 55, and every other loss you could kind of, Okay, well, they lose to the, the Seahawks, they lose to the 49ers, I, I get it. But those two losses to the Steelers and Buccaneers worry me, but I still think that they're going to come back around, kind of like as uh, Chris Berman says, uh, circle the wagons, even though they're not the Buffalo Bills, I think they'll circle the wagons and get one of the wild card spots. So you are buying on the Rams, you're in. Yep. I'm going to sell because right now, like not only is the NFC tough, I just... I can't buy this Rams offense. I think Jared Goff has significantly regressed. They can't run the ball, whether it's because Todd Gurley, is like his knee and his health just don't allow it. That is that, too. Their offensive line is so banged up. They're going to play this game with three offensive linemen missing against the Bears this upcoming Sunday. So, talking about going now, right now, this game, at home against the Bears team, you should beat. With that, even with that formidable defense, I mean, you're going to go against... Khalil Mack in that front with three new offensive linemen this week. I don't trust the Rams to figure it out offensively. Now it's just about figuring out how much is it on Sean McVay kind of getting figured out, how much is on Jared Goff. Just maybe he reaches his peak and his ceiling last year, and this is, you know, last year was as good as we'll get. But I just, to me, I can't trust the Rams to do anything offensively. I mean, look at that Steelers game. They were terrible. Like, they couldn't muster anything. You had no faith. And when was the last time we saw a Sean McVay-led offense? where there was just no faith that they could do anything. Maybe the Super Bowl, but outside of that, they right. looked helpless. About three weeks before against the 49ers. You're right. Yeah, fair, but they did. I mean, they also scored, I think, 20, what was 20 that seven. And yeah, I oh, mean, good. oh, you're right. Well, okay. They had 70 that's yards fair. passing. That's that fair. Game, so, okay. Yeah. I was thinking about the Seahawks. Excuse me. You're right. They did get held to seven points home. But that, that's my point. Like, this offense can be figured out, and they can be stopped. So, to me, needing at least nine, at least getting at least nine wins if the Vikings collapse for the second wild card, so you need to win at least four games. I don't trust the Rams can offensively get them in a position to where they can win four games. They have a tough schedule. Like you said, the Cardinals are no pushover at all. Impressive what they've been doing. We should really be talking about them more because, like you said, the record's not indicative of how hard they're playing. Mm-hmm. They've been a fun team to watch. So to me, I'm selling on the Rams because I don't trust their offensive line. I don't trust their offense to score points. And I, I just think, you know, again, with their holes so deep, I just can't see them digging out of it. So just to try to recap here. I had one, two, three. You should be keeping track of this stuff, you know? Yeah. I'm buying on (laughs) three teams, the Eagles, the Colts, and the Raiders as legitimate playoff contenders in the AFC. uh, Just one Eagles in the NFC. Or, I'm sorry, two in the AFC, one in the NFC. So three teams overall to nine. Mark, you're buying more than I am. You're buying the Steelers. You like the Raiders. uh, Let's see. You're buying the Rams. Obviously, the Eagles. Anyone else I'm missing? I think that's it. Titans? You're buying the Titans? Yeah. So it's about five. So you're buying five teams. I'm buying three. So we'll see. I mean, it'll be a nice, exciting uh, NFL season to come. We have seven games left coming out to the home stretch here. So we do have Dick Vitale coming up at 10 o'clock Eastern time. When we come back, we'll talk a little Astros sign-stealing, Mark. 
obviously, you know, we not just had one, obviously, last night with, with Miles Garrett was just egregious in that own sense, but the, uh, the MLB now has their own issues that's just as egregious that need to be figured out. So we'll get to that, what punishment should be handed out, what your thoughts on sign-stealing electronic will be. It is the Morning Boys, Ryan Hickey, Mark Ever Kelly, Austin Tidemont for you on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It is the morning, boys. Ryan Hickey, Mark Everkelly, Austin Tottenham. I'm with you on this Friday morning. Thanks so much for tuning in. Um, we obviously talked a lot about the Miles Garrett situation, swinging um, Mason Rudolph's helmet at Mason Rudolph, hitting him in the head. Um, what could come down? We did a little buy or sell. So we have playoff teams in the NFL who we think are contenders that can make the playoffs and whom we don't. But Mark, we have some MLB news to get to as well as the, you know, the Athletic was reporting this week that the Astros were sign-stealing um, and not just sign stealing with the runners on second base, transmitting signs, but doing it electronically, which would be illegal. And now MLB is investigating on whether, you know, how, first of all, how deep this runs, whether it's just the Astros or other teams, how long it's been going on. It was the first reported that happened in 2017, which was the year that they won the World Series. Now there's not, you know, it's documented now they have players on record like Mike Fires, a few other sources in the Astros organization that basically confirmed that it happened. Now what we don't know is if it happened in the postseason if it happened beyond 2017 or not. But at least right now, all we know, here's your best story to summarize. The Astros, when they were at home in 2017, set up a camera in center field that focused on the catcher's signs he's given to the pitcher, right? One for fastball, two for curveball, whatever, you know, whatever the signs were for that specific team. And they have a video feed just outside the dugout that was live, that was real time. So all, these, all the players or staff members that were watching that feed saw the, the catcher putting down signs for the pitcher. And a little Twilight Zone. And basically, once they decoded what, what yeah, you know. Is that Unsolved Mysteries? X-Files. Oh, X-Files. So once, you know, again, whoever was watching the feed decoded what the signs meant, they would bang on a trash can for basically any off-speed pitch. You know, one bang would be a change-up, two bangs would be a curveball. And now, you know, a lot of internet sleuths are going back and going back to that season posting videos. You could clearly hear bangs that are happening when an off-speed pitch is coming, and that obviously would tip the batter as to if it was a fastball and off-speed pitch, what's coming. Obviously, that changes the entire dynamic of the game because not only now are you stealing signs illegally, you're setting up guys to fail, you're helping put your own team in a path for success. Obviously, the Astros ran through the 2017 season, mm-hmm. won all four games against the Yankees at home in the ALCS, mm-hmm. beat, the, beat the Dodgers in the, in the playoff, in the World Series, excuse me. Mm-hmm. So now the question is, how far did it go? When did it happen? Who knew about it? Because right now these details are bad, and you, this is, you can't condone this if you're MLB. Swift, swift yeah. penalties have to happen because to have a team illegally steal signs where you're putting a video feed directly yeah. on the catcher and to, have, to tip off pitches, I mean, it's one thing to take it from second base because that's just, that's just on the pitcher and catcher for not, you know, not doing it themselves or not securing mm-hmm. it properly where they shouldn't get tipped off. To do it the way and the manner they did in a sketchy in a sketchy way. I mean, again, find out whoever did it. Because now also, too, in this athletic article is coming out that the Astros are basically trying to say it's not just us. Other teams are doing it, and they were trying to do it as a defense mechanism. So, I mean, it could be pervasive throughout the entire league. We don't know. But if well, it is, suspend whoever's involved. Like, okay. this has to be swift and harsh. Here's, here's what I think. I think when you're using technology to cheat, that's where you... 100% with you. 100% with you. I think, like, sign stealing's 
is inherent in baseball. Yep. You have guys specifically on teams, coaches that try to steal the other team's signs. If that's what's happening, I, and that's baseball, okay? Like it's, 100%, it's, it's, right. It's, it's part of the game. All right, that's on the catcher and the pitcher. Exactly. To not, like, you have to hide your signs more I'll, if a guy in second base is picking it off. I'll give you an example, okay? I coached high school baseball, okay? And uh, this is when I was in South Carolina. And I was first base coach. And I could clearly see their catcher. First of all, the, the players weren't so bright. Yes. I mean, they just weren't. Uh, I did nothing. The, the, the high school I was at called was called Country Day School. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're not talking about the sharpest knives in a drawer. Hey, I went to one of those schools. No, but this was different. Okay. It was in Hollywood, South Carolina. Oh. Okay. It was different. So the, the, the catcher okay. is sloppily putting the signs down, not sloppily, covering his so tracks. I, I can see it. Okay. And, and so my first thing is, you know what? Let me, let me try. So I called the batter over. I said, look, I said, yeah, I, I don't like doing this, but I said, if they're going to be dumb enough to do that, if the catcher doesn't know enough to do that, I said, I can see what he's putting down. This is what I'm going to do. When it's this, I'm going to point to my head. When it's this, I'm going to, I'm going to raise my belt. But he's too, the guy was too dumb to understand it anyway, so it didn't work. So what I wound up doing was after he got out, I went over to their coach and I said, look, I can see the catcher's signs from the first from first base. You might want to tell him. Now at that point, if he still right, that's doesn't a, you get did, it, right. then it's up to him. And he still didn't get Wait, it. Wait, are you telling me that when he was catching that he had he had his hands like like this out? There's an angle when yeah, you're yeah, under when you're under base, Look, yeah. when 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 you're catching, you gotta put the signs yeah. like right in, in your, your crotch. crotch. Yep. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah. You cannot keep them anywhere else because then everyone not everyone, but angles you can see yeah. them. And if you're alert, you're going to recognize it. So he it. was angled towards you the whole time because usually he put... He, I look, like I said, these weren't the sharpest knives in the drawer, okay? So it, 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 not, not that I'm a, you know, a, a scholar, but this, this was something that, you know, you, there's got to be a teaching moment, too, for kids. It's, you know, like trying to steal signs in a, in a you know... 14, 15-year-old baseball games. You know, right, there is a moral yeah, yeah, it's kind of stupid. issue there. Right. But, you know, it's not like we're playing for a championship right. or whatever. You know, I said, well, maybe we can, you know, no, it's, it's Well, stupid. like you said, but w- the way you were able to steal their signs, quote-unquote steal their signs, is just because of lack of awareness and lack of, like, attention to detail from right. the other team. Right. You not have a camera. You're not, right. you know, yeah, that, having that, someone totally out there in different. center field right. getting your ear with totally a bug different. and say, hey, fastball's coming. Right. right. You did it. The clean way, which is, right. again, it's more on the other team than on you. Right. Now, there, there was... There, <laughs> I would have <laughs> just guy. kept on, kept on running. I, I had, but I had, it didn't matter. My team couldn't take advantage of it anyway. But anyway, uh, there, there is a story that back, you know, when Bobby Thompson hit the home run off of Ralph Branca, that, that the Giants, that whole second half of the year, stole signs. And, you know, Don, uh, Don uh, Ralph Branca swears by it. And... A lot of the guys on Brooklyn and even some of the guys on the New York Giants, there was a trade they made for a backup catcher, and uh, the guy would sit out there in Leo DeRosa's office because the polo grounds back then was, it, was, it wasn't really a baseball stadium, but like, center field was 480 yards. Right, I mean, especially right back then, the and he field was huge. Yeah, he had, but he had a, like a, a... Oh, binoculars? A, yeah, and then he would... He, that's a sense, but even that, like, then he would flash that and then... Like, the shade would go up and down, and someone in the bullpen would see it, and then they would relay it to the batter. So, I mean, that, that's kind of, yeah. But it's so, right, it's sort of standing, like, with, they use the technology they had back then. Yeah. Binoculars. So yeah. It's, but, but that was never proven, obviously. Right. Uh, you know, if there's something that they can prove with the bang and everything, 
I mean, the, Look, also, will, the video, you, the video right. is out there. Will you ever stop guys from trying to cheat? No. Guys are going to do it. You have to, when it's caught, you have to make an example of it. 100%. And like I said, MLB did put in, in 2018 postseason, they did put in rules. They banned cameras, imaging yeah, foul that, that That's stupid. That cannot happen. Like, they, it, it, that's going like, right. if, if to happen. If you have a brain in your head and you're thinking, geez, I wonder if we can get away with this. Like, you know, look, look at what the Patriots used to do. And the Patriots are kings of yep. not, look, it might, it's not cheating unless you get caught. Everybody, like, like that, that, there's a theory about that. You know, the Raiders were a team, you know. That, right, but that went by your that point, motto, but, everyone but, kind of pushes yeah, the envelope. Exactly. One way or another, it's just to. how far are you willing to push it, right? Right. And to, in, this, in the athletic article, they wrote two, you know, a follow-up to the article, kind of there was already awareness about the Astros, right? They were kind of, their organization was a little sketchy. Teams were already wary of them possibly stealing signs. Even back in 2017, I mean, the White Sox pitcher, Danny Farquhar, kind of picked up on it. He was the only pitcher that actually picked Farquhar. up. Farquhar. He picked up on it. Farquhar. I, I love that. <laughs> he, a great uh, name. After the third changeup, when he heard the bang, he stepped off, called the catcher out. So he was the first one kind of, kind of was in, in tune with possibly this mm-hmm. happening. But to me, I mean, you go back to right, the Red Sox are the, really the only team so far busted for stealing signs or technology, and they got busted for using the Apple Watch against the Yankees, right? They, uh, they were fined by Rob Manfred. The biggest suspension so far has been when the Cardinals hacked into the Astros database, they lost two first-round picks, fined $2 million, and that executive who hacked in is now in jail. But Ooh. the way I would... View, view this, and now again, obviously a lot of investigating has to go on. They're going to talk to A.J. Hinch. They're going to talk to even now Red Sox manager Alex Cora, who's the bench coach, Mets manager Carlos Beltran, who's on the team, mm. a player back then in his last season. I could see him getting suspended. Like, to I'm, me. I'm getting kicked I, out of baseball probably and costing the Mets. Now, if you, if you could confirm that mm. this happened, and the, especially from the top where the general manager, the owner, the president mm-hmm. can kind of condone this or even maybe threw it out there, to me, and again, anyone involved, Astros, other teams that are caught doing this, I would treat this like a PED suspension. Mm. Because essentially, again, while you're not taking steroids, you are helping your performance illegally, mm. right? Mm-hmm. By videotaping signs, you're, you know what's coming, and that gives you a huge advantage as a batter. Mm-hmm. So I would personally it treat can. this. It can. A lot of batters don't, don't, don't want to know what's coming, though. No. And, yeah. and the, the article pointed out right. some Astros players did not want to use this system. Right. Other players really you know, were in tune to it. And there are some splits. Um, of players where they're home and, home and road, really? yes, um, yeah. where it is pretty bad. But I would personally treat this like PEDs. Where, and their punishment, baseball's PED suspension, 80 games, first offender, full season, second, second offender, third time, you're banned for life. To me, anyone found guilty and knowing this is happening, 80 games right away. It could be, and again, Carlos Beltran, the new Mets manager, if he's found out to use this and was aware of it, 80 games. I don't care. Same thing Alex Cora, A.J. Hinch, any players on the Astros, because guess what? Penalties need to be levied because, like you said, you're not going to stop cheating, right? Especially with technology. Right. There's right. always a new way to kind of get around the rules, bend right. the rules to your favor, and get a competitive advantage. So if you don't nip this in the bud right now, set a precedent to where if we find you cheating, you're going to pay the price. You have to make it not worth cheating. You have to not make it worth stealing one or two signs, knowing a fastball is coming, where you're facing an 80-game suspension if you're found out. To me, MLB needs to uh, well, sanction heavy Heavy penalties, fines for the organizations I knew, and more importantly, I think suspensions, missing yeah. games, and to me, it starts at 80 games. It's, it's kind of like um, it's gambling. You know, how are you going to get guys from throwing games? Okay, well, you, you kick them out of baseball, essentially what uh, Kennesaw Mountain Linus did. And I think we're dealing with something that could develop to that level. Look, I think if we're starting to 
point blame here. There are probably a lot of teams you could throw under the bus. Uh, and, and maybe that's what's going to start to happen, that if the Astros get penalized, they're going to be like, well, wait till I tell you what I know. Right, and, and fair. But like, listen, yeah. everyone that, that, gets it, that has done this one way or another, like you said, to the extent we don't know, to the but use of technology we don't know. I could see that, though. If, if this is a lead-wide epidemic, I could see them burying it. And I could say, well, you know, and I could see them not making too much of it if that's the case. If they investigate and they find out, wait a minute, everybody is doing this. We're going to really have a hard thing on our hands. I could see them doing that in their best interest. I don't agree with it at all, but I think that they would do that. Like brush it under the rug, yes. sort of? Well, kind of be like, well, you know what? We, found, we looked into it, and, this was, and we're, we're going to do this. And maybe then passing out to everybody else. Either this stops or this is going to be the, the consequence going forward from here. Because if they were to say, hey, you know what? Everybody in the Major League Baseball has been doing this at some point or to some level. I think that it would really be a black mark on the league and on the authenticity of the games. But I don't know. I don't know that for sure. I mean, that, that, that's just speculation at this point. But I, I think that if it is something that only the Astros are doing or if it's specific to one or two teams, then I think what you say is, is a real, realistic thing that, that should happen. Right. Like you said, we don't know right now. The only th- we have four guys on the record, three anonymous, one Mike Fires put his name to it, who was with the Astros in 2017 when they made that run, talking about this is what happened. Right. So we don't know, like you said. It could be, per- it could be 30 teams doing it. We honestly have no clue. Now this is, the Astros were really the I, first team that, to, you know, that are getting blamed for this and coming in. Now, again, they had a little bit of a sketchy pass where people were already wary of the Astros and their practices. But if it is, like you said, if it's just rampant across MLB where every team is doing this in one way or another, maybe not cameras, but using you know, Apple Watches or some sort of technology to steal signs and then somehow in real time relay it to the players in the batter's box, you're right. You can't suspend, you know, basically three-quarters of the league 80 games because you're not going to have enough players. So in that sense, I guess, if it is a league-wide issue, still, to me, something has to be done. Something has to be done severely because you can't even allow this to trickle down and continue further, right? You, you can't have this be the steroid era with Bud Selig. That's actually what Bud Selig did. He wiped it under the rug. They went to court. Obviously, some people were suspended. But essentially, because it was so rampant in the majors, they tried to brush it under the rug as best as possible. Mm-hmm. To me, you can't do that. Like, if, it, if let's just say 30, 30 teams were doing it, you know, almost every position player, one way or another, most of them are getting help from this. You have to, I, I guess, fines are going to be the only way, but institute heavy fines against the organization, against the players that were using it, because you can't allow this to happen. Like, this, like you said, it's, like, it's only going to get worse. Technology improves, where if you don't nip this in the bud right away, teams that could continue to find ways to cheat and to steal illegally. And to me, you don't want a game. A game of baseball right now marred by cheating and stealing illegally. To me, that, that's not how you, you have a sport that fans can believe in, which is already in a bad spot. Like, baseball's already in a bad spot nationally, right? Baseball is not a talked-about sport nationally. Right. It's talked about only locally. Rarely do things come up on a national level in baseball, mostly for the negative, right? Mostly, unfortunately, for baseball, every time something comes up, it's negative. Whether it's steroid ever, whether it's Rob Manfred's comments on Mike Trout needing to market himself better, like, MLB has been in the news negatively more than positively. And again, this is just another black eye in the sport to where you can't allow this to happen. And if it's everyone in the league doing it, levy heavy fines against players, against organizations, because you have to nip this in the bud and get baseball as clean as possible. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I, I think that <clears throat> baseball itself is 
facing a, a problem that the game itself looks boring to some people and it could drag and everything. So I think they have that already to deal with. And if the authenticity of the games is somehow being compromised, that's going to be really hard for them to explain that they didn't have knowledge of this beforehand. And if they didn't and that comes out, well, we didn't know, that makes them look even worse. Right, and how, how can you sell a fan base and how can you sell fans of the sport of baseball where basically you're doing your best to condone cheating by saying, ah, oh, you know, everyone's doing it. We're just kind of, guys, don't do this anymore. Wink, wink. And now you have fans going to games not knowing, you know, who's cheating, what kind of they cheating, how are they cheating. It's just you don't want baseball tied up to where the first thing you think about is something goes wrong or someone gets a home run is, ah, they probably stole the sign. You have to levy swift penalties to make sure this stops in 2019 and doesn't happen in the future. I mean, Rob Manfred even set the precedent himself. When he busted the Red Sox 2017, right, obviously they got fined for using the Apple Watches to seal the signs of the Yankees. He said future violations of this type will be subject to more serious sanctions, including the loss of possible draft picks. Well, again, draft picks should be part of the, the inclusion of a, of a penalty, especially on an organizational level. But if you, if you find out it's one or two organizations, I mean, we got to be start talking about games here because no other way can you send a, a harsh message to teams that we will not allow this than by having the Astros, having A.J. Hinch suspended, having Alex Bregman suspended, having Carlos Correa suspended. To me, you have to make sure that you nip this in the bud as quick as possible and that the best players in the league are not cheating. And especially this is tied to just one or two teams. That's when you really could take and make an example of these players and these teams by taking the best players off the field because that's how you really get to the bottom line. Because guess what? That, unfortunately, in sports, we know that's all that matters is the bottom line, right? The Astros are still going to get sell crowds. They're still going to get great ticket revenue, sell a ton of merchandise, and they'll live with a fine for getting caught cheating. But now, if you have three of your best players off the field for half the season, including your manager, because you were one of the few teams that tried to skate the rules and film signs illegally, that's when teams truly learn their lesson, right? Unfortunately, it all comes down to money. You can find a team however you want, but guess what? They'll make that money up, especially the players on the field. What they can make up is lost revenue with gate sales, with merchandise, with TV deals and you know, signing, you know, getting TV uh, advertising because fans aren't watching because the best players are not on the field. To me, at least, that's why I'm going to step in harshly. If it's with the Astros or with another team, they have to find out who exactly is involved. And again, if that's, you know, obviously you have Alex Cora at the Red Sox, you have to find out whether the Red Sox doing some sort of cheating uh, when they won the World Series either, you know, in 2018 or this past season alone. MLB and Rob Manfred, this is a huge Huge issue for them, and they cannot afford to take another L because they've taken a ton of L's both publicly and with the game. They cannot afford to take another L with the fans and have their game basically marred by cheating with technology. Major League Baseball, obviously, is something that, like, this year's World Series, I think, was really great, and I think there's something to build off of as far as momentum. Yeah, something that never happened before. So they are in a good spot overall, I think, right now, where they could take advantage of that. And, look, I mean, there's so many issues that baseball has inherently because of the high contracts and because of the fans being priced out of the game and stuff like that that uh, has developed over the years. If something like this comes out and now fans don't even know if they can trust the results of a game, that's going to be... Right, that, that's what you don't want. You don't want doubt. Right. You do not want doubt in your game because that's what. You're already losing a fan base as it is already. You cannot afford to have, give them any more reason to now become a basketball fan or an NFL fan <laughs> or an NHL fan and just throw baseball by the wayside. Because like you said, now it's, 
you know, they're trying harder than ever to kind of capture that young audience to have them grow up to be baseball fans. And you said, I don't know how you can capture the market and try to entice people to be baseball fans, where if you don't nip this in the bud and you kind of let this continue in one way or another, or just slap teams on the wrist, like you said, there will just be a ton of, ton of question marks going forward. And once the legitimacy of games start to get to question, I mean, you're screwed. Now, I got a question for you. Who was the first the pitcher you said that? Mike Fires. Um, no, the, the other guy. Uh, Danny Farquhar? Yeah. Now, this is the original. Uh, number three. Farquhar. Lord Farquhar. Lord Farquhar, you've chosen. <laughs> Was that Shrek? Yeah, it's Shrek. <laughs> what? There's no I'm Shrek like, thing. I know that name somehow. How do you not know I hope Shrek? I'm saying it right. I mean, I, I, no, no, it, I, I, I just think it's great. I do know Shrek. I said, is that Shrek? I yeah. didn't guess. Like, what is that? I, 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 when you said Danny Farquhar, I'm like, where have I heard that name before? And it's Danny a- Farquhar. So like I said, he was the first guy that really picked up on the Astro system of banging back in 2017. And again, MLB has a lot of questions to answer because we don't know if it bled into the postseason, which could, I mean, you could result somehow. I mean, I don't really buy into the fact that you can kind of vacate a World Series or take it away from a team because, you know, NCAA tries to do it all the time. We see the wins. You see it happen. But we don't know if it happened in the postseason which obviously would bring into question the legitimacy of the World Series title. We don't know what happened in 2018 or 2019. There's so many questions LB has to figure out, and I hope they at least they take their time. Because another thing, too, is you don't want to rush a judgment, right? This, this seems like this could be an issue that is far-ranging, that affects many teams, many players. And at least right now, if you pinpoint the Astros, kind of put a lot of the blame on them, maybe they'll start to come out and say, well, listen, we're doing this to protect ourselves, start naming some names. Like you said, you've got to figure out where this comes, you know, who was involved to get to the root of the issue? Because once you get to the root of the issue, figure it out. That's when true punishment is made. And you, you hope, at least for MLB's sake, lessons are learned. Um, but we'll see because it's, it is an interesting time. MLB, again, just continues to get bad publicity. Overshadows their, uh, their awards week as well. MVP, Cy Young, Rookie mm, of the yeah. Year, which unfortunately for them, too, not a lot of people pay attention to. Right. That's another thing you got to you know, realize as well. A lot going on in the sports world. MLB right now is getting thrown to the wayside. And any time they get their news is to the forefront or top headline or front page of the newspaper, it's usually for the negative. And, again, Rob Manfred has a lot to deal with on his plate, and hopefully at least the right outcome happens. But I think this story is long, long way from being over. I think there will be some, you know, some far-raging uh, consequences. And I'm just interested to see how far it goes. Like I said, Carl Spelcher at the Mets, Alex Cora at the Yankees, uh, excuse me, at the Red Sox, two guys that were tied to that 2017 team. Will they get punished? Whether you know, at least with Cora's case being with the Red Sox for two years, were they involved at all in a cheating scandal? And just again, how many teams does this reach? So, I mean, it's a lot of questions to answer, but we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. Let's take a quick break on the morning boys right here. When we come back, Dick Vital, ESPN legend, Dickie V, Mr. March Madness, Diaper Dandies. You know all the things he does. Insane college basketball coverage for ESPN. Also knows Mark on a personal level from Make a Wish. So we'll get to their, you know, talk about their relationship, talk about a lot of college basketball at TV, a monster upset already in college basketball. Who's the best team right now after Kentucky goes down to Evansville? Evansville at home. We'll get to that. TV plus NFL and college roll picks. It is the morning boys, Ryan Hickey, Mark Ever Kelly, Austin Todd. I'm with you on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're listening to the Morning Boys on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Wow! I feel good. I knew that I wouldn't.
seconds. Robinson at the buzzer. Yes, yes, yes. Robinson at the buzzer. If that voice sounds familiar, that is the one and only Dick Vitale, obviously ESPN legend, college basketball guru. And Dick is nice enough to give myself, Ryan Hickey, and Mark Everett Kelly a few minutes here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Dick, good morning. Thanks so much for giving us a few minutes. How are you? Hey, Dick. Sorry, this is Ryan Hickey, Mark Everett Kelly with you on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. How are you this morning? Seems to be have a little technical difficulties here. Uh, no, we're, hey, listen, you know, we're... Uh, live radio, right? right? Live radio, folks. We don't try to, you know, we're pulling the curtain back. Yeah. We're not hiding anything. There's no takes. There's no redos. This is all live. Everything you're seeing is coming at you in live circles. So we'll try to get Dick here. And just, uh, just one second. We'll try again. Dick Vitale. This is Ryan Hickey, Mark Everett Kelly with you. Thanks so much for giving us a few minutes this morning. How are you? <laughs> and we are 0 for 3. As we, uh, we try to figure it out, unfortunately, the phones, you know, the phones are a little finicky here sometimes, unfortunately. Hopefully we, we can get Dick up here in, in just a quick second, um, as there's a lot of college basketball to get to. You have Kentucky losing Evansville this week. You had two great matchups last week, especially, you know, what I love, too, in college basketball, obviously it's a little easier with more games, but they play some marquee non-conference matchups in home arenas. You had just an unbelievable atmosphere last night from Michigan State, Seton Hall, in a back-and-forth game where Michigan State defeats, defeats Seton Hall. Um, and just in, in the same game, Miles Powell comes back. Um, but this is also a big year, too. I mean, obviously we have the James Wiseman stuff I want to ask Dick about because it, it is such a weird weird situation um, with him being, ruled, being, first ruled, being first ruled eligible back in May, then being ineligible. Um, so, you know, it, it, he, can, he can hear us, but he... So here's what we'll do. We'll take a quick time out. We can play like a minute or two break. We'll try to figure out Dick, and hopefully on the other side we'll come back. We'll talk to Dick Vitale, um, talk about a ton of college basketball right here on the Worldwide Sports Area Network. And he's too talented. That's the yes, answer. Watch this, Mr. Vitale. That's the answer. Oh, give there him another is. look. There he is. He's going to the green room, baby. <laughs> <laughs> he's it. Five seconds to go. Bridges for three. Yes! Oh! The big star delivers. The big star delivers. And that's what you want the big star. Duke one more time. Allen on oh, the cry. Oh, he looks quick. He looks like he's healthy. And that spells trouble for their opposition. Grayson Allen. That's the first offensive unbelievable spark that I've seen out of him. Oh, big time play. Got to get a oh, shot up. He's going to try to get fouled. He drives it. Don't whistle. And we're back here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It is live radio, folks. Uh, thank you so much, Dick Vitale, for giving us, uh, or bearing with us, we should say, to technical difficulties. Ryan Hickey, Mark Everett Kelly with you. How are you this morning? I'm doing really great, man. Just really a lot of exciting college basketball games have been going on, and 
really enjoy what we've been doing and having a passion about what we're doing. And, you know, you got to have that mark. And, and, and certainly you've been a survivor and a, and a guy that's went through hell. And you've done a great job with your life, uh, considering most people would have quit and folded. But I know you a long time, since you're like 15 years old. And I'm telling you, I admire, respect what you've gone through. And I wish you all the luck in the world. Thank you so much, Dick. Uh, as, for those of you who don't know, uh, I was a... Uh, Dick's Make-A-Wish Child back in 1992. We met at the Final Four uh, when the Fab Five played Duke, and Duke won their first national championship. And I mean, there isn't anybody that does more for pediatric, pediatric cancer. There isn't anybody that has a big heart for children out there who are suffering, for families out there who are suffering. Him and his wife, Lorraine, are, are they're angels. That's, that's the best way I can describe them. And um, that, that's as far as we go back. Anytime I've ever asked anything or whatever, Dick has always been there. He's always come through. He's, I, 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 there, I can't really say anything more to say what kind of a great person he is. And, and you know, I, I'll, I'll, I'll get a little choked up. But, you know, Dick, thank you so much for, for coming on here. And um, No, no problem, man. Yeah. Hey, I heard you guys talking a little bit earlier about yeah. that great game with Michigan State and my album, Hot at Seton Hall. Yeah. What about the kid, Miles Powell? 37 points, playing mm -hmm. great. Uh, Winston made some big plays at the end. I'm going to tell you right now, Seton Hall is going to be a, a, a real threat as the season goes on. I have them. I'm going to be doing the Battle of the Atlantis. Somebody's mm -hmm. got to do it. I'm going to get paid. We're going up to the Bahamas to do games. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Don't tell my bosses, Mark, that's stealing money. Yeah. But uh, we're going out there. they got North Carolina with Cole Anthony, who's as good as it gets, man. He's unbelievable mm -hmm. at North Carolina. We have Carolina. we got Gonzaga. Zaga, we got Oregon who beat Memphis uh, with James Wiseman, and we got uh, teams like Seton Hall, all going to be part of the incredible Battle of the Atlantis. So check us out. I'll be doing a semifinal game on Thanksgiving and mm. championship the next day, and then my wife and I are going to enjoy the beautiful Bahamas, sit okay. poolside, and nice. relax. Yeah, I mean, you talk about upsets. I mean, you saw Michigan State go down uh, to Kentucky. Then you see Kentucky go down to Evansville, the Purple Aces of all teams. One of the biggest shocks. It's like kind of kind of like Chaminade beating Virginia. If, uh, yeah, for those who remember that, I mean, we'll, I could believe that. You know, they were a twenty-four point favorite. Obviously, Kentucky at home. They played well against a good Michigan State team. The kid Maxie was sensational in that game. I had the good fortune to call the game, and, and Kentucky to me, it looked like their backcourt was going to be probably the best backcourt in basketball. And then all of a sudden, they had that real bad, bad performance at Rupp Arena. I mean, you got to credit certainly the Purple Aces, and it was no fluke. I mean, they they led. I don't know how the exact stats in front of me, mm -hmm. but I'll bet you in that forty-minute game, they led for about thirty minutes of that game. I mean, they were in control of the game. They controlled tempo and they did they made big shots at the end and made free throws and they left with an incredible win for Walter McCarty who played in 96 was one of their stars for Rick Pitino when they won the national championship yeah I, I remember because we, we were talking about a, a game earlier with the Knicks and Heat when McCarty was on the Knicks uh you know McCarty great player for uh, I believe Rick Pitino back then when he was with Kentucky and I mean to go in there and to beat Kentucky I mean to, just to beat them at home is, is a big deal and, I mean, do you think for Kentucky, Kentucky that is a bad sign for them as far as maybe they're not as good as everyone thought? 
Now, you know what I think happens, too? I, I mean, they take everybody's best shot. you got to be young kids, mm-hmm. and they have to learn that. You know, a lot of these kids have been so dominant on a high school level, and they come to college, and they think it's a cakewalk, and then they go out and beat a Michigan State, and they even think better. Oh, we're really cool, you know. Who's Evansville? You know, it's a psychological thing. But the one thing about John Calipari, he's a master at times like this. Here's where he'll take that loss. Anybody thinks they're going to be dead, forget about it. Mm-hmm. Because the bottom line is he will take that loss and he will turn it into an unbelievable situation where he will now get the attention of all the players. He will be in their faces like you can't believe about effort. He will be in their faces about if you want PT playing time, you're going to perform. And he does a great job with that. And I'm telling you, I remember last year, <laughs> I think I beat like by 50 in the first game. It was a shock mm-hmm. when Duke and Zion Williamson and those guys yeah. beat him by like 50. They might have been 38 or something, but it was seemed like 50. They put 118 on the board. I know that, Duke. And at the end of the year, he was challenging for a chance to go to the Final Four. Yeah. So, I mean, he's a master at getting the most out of his people, and he's got talent. And when you've got talent and you've got fan support, you've got a chance. Talking with Dick Vitale, obviously just the voice of college basketball on ESPN, legendary broadcaster. Dick, I want to ask you about James Wiseman and, and Memphis, right? To me, I guess the, how I view the situation with his ineligibility is more Penny Hardaway paying for him to come play in his AAU team, and then it just happened that Penny Hardaway got the job in Memphis, and then it just happened to me that James Wiseman went to Memphis. I don't see this as a, a booster relationship or some sort of pay-for-play you know, scam where Penny Hardaway tried to pay Wiseman to come play for him knowing he'll go to Memphis. Do you, how do you see the NCAA? You know, do you think this is a violation? And if so, obviously he just removed his lawsuit against the NCAA in Memphis, so he'll be sitting out a few games. How long do you think his suspension will be? Well, Mark, let me just tell you this. Uh, there was a major violation. I mean, I don't agree in terms of a lot of the rules of the NCA because I mean, they really, many times they suck. They suck big time. I'll be mm-hmm. honest with you. I mean, kids are, are, to me, deserve some money, deserve being taken care of and all that jazz and because of their likeness and their image and their name. And they say they're going to move in that direction. I'll, I'll, I'll believe it when I start to see dollars being given out in that direction. But anyway, to put all that in perspective, here's the deal. Number one. When you join the NCA, you're a member institution. You've got to abide by the rules. And the rules clearly state you can't take money if you're a family taking money on behalf of a kid to move, as he did, from Nashville to Memphis. And on top of it, he is a booster. Penny Hardaway is a flat-out booster. He gave a million dollars to the university in 2000, I don't know, nine or ten, I don't know the exact year, but he gave him that to build the Hall of Fame at, at Memphis. So that puts him, defines him as a definite booster, plus the fact, to me, he's associated, well, he's an icon, he's a legend at the school. So that's a no-no. It's an absolute no-no. However, saying all that, the kid, one, claims he knew nothing about it. Number two, let's not be in the business to hurt kids. Let's help kids. So I'm hoping and praying that after all this goes on between the NCAA and the Memphis people, I was glad to see that uh, the youngster and his lawyers dropped the suit against the NCAA because you don't, you know, you're not going to gain nothing with that. And I think, I think there'll be a, really a, a meeting of the minds, and I think the youngster will be declared eligible. I'm hoping he's reinstated uh, for selfish reasons. One, I'd love to see a kid like that play. I don't want to chase kids like that to go to round of Lamelo Ball, mm-hmm. go play in Australia, get a shoe deal, make mm-hmm. 
make six figures right away, play to forget about college. Because to me, that college experience, even if for one year, it is a great experience. And we, we all got such a thrill last year with Zion Williamson and what he did in basketball for that one year just to see him perform. And I, I, I'm selfish, so I want to see James Wiseman. And I'm hoping the NCAA does, does right for him and allows him to play again. I'm with you 100%. Like I said, I guess I looked at it more the spirit of the law rather than the letter of the law. Like you said, right, letter of the law, it's a definite uh, booster relationship. But hopefully, at least the NCAA does the right thing. Like you said, gets them on the court as fast as possible. So going back to that Kentucky loss, like you said, now there's going to be a new number one. You tweeted out your rankings yesterday, a little power change at the top. Duke number one, Louisville number two. What, what is it about Louisville that you like so much that you think they're, you know, they're right there at the top? They might be marked the best team in basketball. I'm telling you right now, they're deep, talented. They got an All-American, the kid Wara. The kid Sutton is a tenacious warrior on the glass. They got good guard play with Perry, and certainly Ryan McMahon has proven the, that he can shoot the basketball and help in many other ways too. Passes the ball fairly well. Uh, they got a good basketball team. They got some good freshmen, Williamson. Uh, this is a solid. Team. I can't wait to see them. I'm doing their game. Uh, I believe it's December 4th I'm doing a game or December 3rd against Michigan. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm also looking forward to seeing Jawan Howard. We seem to have mm-hmm. a trend now, former players, Howard, Stackhouse, Hardaway, coming in coaching. And it's a big adjustment, you know, a big adjustment. NBA is one way of life, playing and all. But coaching, when you got to deal with the media, deal with your alumni, deal with fundraising, deal with all kinds of other avenues, academics, uh, making sure players stay eligible. It's a whole different world out there so it'll be interesting to see how those guys chart out hey dick you mentioned the acc okay there are a couple streaks in the acc that are uh, legendary that are going on going into this year you have clemson 0 59 at chapel hill duke has got a 147 game non-conference win streak at home do you see any of those streaks ending this year well, you know, they're pretty tough to beat Duke at home and Carolina in those situations. But uh, it's amazing. You know, it's really amazing to me more than so. And we talked about it the other day when I had Florida State or the ACC played against Florida. Florida was sixth in the country mm-hmm. preseason. I mean, everybody's Florida, Florida, Florida. Mm-hmm. Some people say, oh, man, Final Four, definitely. Well, I had them in that game. And really was disappointing in a way, but it's early in the year. Florida State put the hurt on them, and Florida State had, beaten by, had gotten beaten by Pittsburgh. Uh, and then Pittsburgh gets beat by Nickel State. So you figure that out. Mm-hmm. Florida State came in and really dominated them in the second half and won that game. But the interesting fact there, Mark, is, and i got to get ready to wrap up, buddy, because i got to run. My wife, is, we got a plan here. And, okay. but, but the bottom line is, the bottom line is, in that game, Leonard Hamilton is 71 years old. Mm-hmm. And think about this. Krzyzewski, Roy Williams, Leonard Hamilton, Jim Beheim. These guys keep going on and on and on. And I like to be in that category. Now, they got to catch me, man, because I'm in the 80s club. And when you get in the 80s club, that's pretty good. I want to get in the 90s club. Help me out, man. Help me out. Dick, thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Well, no, hey, Mark, before I go, I, yeah. I want to just simply say this again. As you know, better than most, that I'm really obsessed, obsessed with raising money for kids yeah. battling cancer. It means so much to me. So if some of your listeners could hear me, if they can go to DickVitalOnline.com, they can get a raffle ticket on a beautiful new Mercedes convertible, yeah. $2,020, $100 a chance. All the money goes to the V Foundation for Kids Battling Cancer, mm-hmm. and we're only selling 1,500 chances. Yesterday alone, I can tell you this. Hmm. I put a thing up on 
Twitter and Facebook promoting it. We sold 400 tickets. Wow. So we got 1,500 to sell, and mm. we'll sell that out with no time. Yeah. I suggest that anybody want it, get one now. Just go to DickVitalOnline.com. Great. Thank you, Dick. And again, tireless money raiser for pediatric cancer. No one does it better than you, Dick. Uh, I love you. Thank you so much for taking this time to talk to us. Well, no, thank you, Mark. And I want everybody out there to realize what this guy has gone through. Unbelievable. I mean, I can, can't describe it. He was near, supposedly, when I did a Make-A-Wish, near death. And he's gone around with his life. He's had some tough battles along the way, ups and downs, but he keeps going on and on. Anybody would like to bring him, I'm telling you now, bring him out to an event to speak, to tell his story, it will grab you. His story will inspire you and let you know that your problems are nothing, nothing compared to what Mark went through. So again, Mark, keep going on, be an inspiration to many, and help many like you've helped me. Whenever I think I have it tough, I just think of you, my friend. Thank you so much, Dick. God bless you, and God bless Lorraine. Tell her I said hi. Take care, buddy. That's awesome. Dick Vitale, again, as you can hear, him and Mark go way, way, way back, not just with basketball, not just with ESPN, through Make-A-Wish, just awesome. And, again, if you didn't hear, DickVitaleOnline.com, help buy a raffle ticket, help support the V Foundation and Kids with Cancer, just absolutely awesome. We can talk about it, you know, for hours and hours with Dick, not just about college basketball, just the great work he does uh, fighting pediatric cancer. And, obviously, you can see the work he did and touched Mark's life. That's just one of many um, and it's just Dick can't be commended enough for that. Um, so just awesome, awesome there just to see that relationship and that connection. Um, so with that, again, Dick Vitale will come back to NFL picks, college football picks. Talk a little Knicks as Chris Asperzingas returns to the Garden and gets a, uh, a pretty rowdy, uh, rowdy ovation, if you want to call it an ovation, or a rowdy welcoming. Uh, so we get to that. The morning boys, Ryan Hickey, Mark Ever Kelly, Austin Tabo with you on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're listening to the Morning Boys on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It is the Morning Boys, Ryan Hickey, Mark Everett Kelly, Austin Todd, I'm with you. And just an awesome conversation we just have with Dick Vitale. In case you missed it, want to rewatch it, we'll, um, Mark does a great job of cutting up the videos. We have our, uh, if you're on Facebook and you don't like us already, the Morning Boys um, on Facebook is our show page where we put all the shows, a lot of the content that myself and Mark write as well, and then awesome clips from the show. Mark has already done a great job cutting up different segments. We talked to SEC shorts guys on Tuesday just about the SEC, the fall from Alabama Clemson. I'm sorry, Alabama Clemson, Alabama LSU. So a lot of the, you know, the show material, in case you missed, you know, obviously we obviously understand you can't watch the entire show. Anything you missed that you think is interesting. They should uh, just watch the entire show. Right. Yeah. Forget it. Forget work. Watch the whole thing. Just put it Quit on your, your job. <laughs> eight to eleven. Sit there, watch us, listen to us, and then you can you know, get a job that works like 11 to 7. But, but we, have, we have enough video out there where you can take a whole day and just watch our stuff. That's true. Yeah. That's true. There's a special bonus to those people. Yes, very, very <laughs> true. So, Casey, again, you missed the interview with Dick Vitale. It'll be on the Morning Boys Facebook page. Also be on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network Facebook page. Um, so either one, if you want to throw us a like there. A lot of our show content can be found on there as well. We're also on Periscope, Twitter, at WWSRN underscore radio. Um, we are on YouTube. Tune in, worldwidesportsradio.com. You can find, uh, watch, or listen. 
either one. So just a lot of different options you can find us out there. But in terms of republish, repurposing content, in case you missed it earlier in the show, Facebook is definitely the way to go because there's a lot of good stuff that we, again, put on there after the show's over. The Morning Boys on Facebook or the Worldwide Sports Radio Network Facebook page. You're always like a, a step, one step behind. I know. you got to anticipate a little better. Just a little I'm just saying. Just, it's I'm so close. It, that's the problem. I'm going to get better at it. If I could just listen to the music before I play it. That would be, be nice. Yeah. That'd be nice luxury. Unfortunately, we're not. I don't know what to go. Afford it at the moment. But we're growing. We'll get there. We're good. Yeah. Right. We're getting off the ground here. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in every Tuesday, Friday, 8 a.m. to 11 a.m. Right here on the World Art Sports Radio Network. Still have college football picks to get to. Three ranked teams going against each other this week would be a good time. NFL yeah. picks to get to as well. But Mark, the Islanders stay red hot. Um, defeat the uh, Maple Leafs just a few nights ago. But mm-hmm. man. They yeah. played some great hockey. 13-game point streak, and the only loss in that was an overtime loss to the Penguins where they had a 3 nothing lead. They blew it in the third period. And, you know, of all the games to lose, they figured that one's in the back. And they're just not allowing goals. They have allowed the fewest goals in the NHL, and partly because they've only played 17 games. So they've also played the fewest games. You know, I think there's maybe uh, – I think Tampa Bay's played 16. Uh, but it, the Capitals now are in first place. They've got 32 points. The Islanders have 27 points, but the Capitals have – Three games in hand on the Islanders. Um, the Islanders t- tonight they play Philly, and um, I-, I think that the transformation from this team two years ago they were undisciplined. They allowed so many goals, even though they had Tavares and uh, and an offense that was explosive. They couldn't stop anybody. Last year, over 100 points, win a playoff series, and uh, actually host a playoff series for the first time since '84. Okay. Um, and the interesting thing, too, is the Islanders have not won a division since 1987-88. Um, only one team has gone longer in all of the four major sports. Only one team has gone longer without winning their division. Any, anybody want to guess? No. No? <laughs> I, I can't. I'm sorry. Yeah. All right. who, who is it? It's the Edmonton Oilers. Okay. Yeah. And the funny thing about them is they won the Stanley Two Stanley Cups during that time, right. in 87 and uh, in 88 and in 90. But they did not win their division. So I, that right there is something they could get off the schneid this year. Uh, that, that's some, you know, but the Capitals are really playing well. Uh, but the Islanders have balance everywhere. All four lines come at you. Uh, their goaltending has been very good. Now, uh, Volomov has been a little shaky last two games. He allowed four goals last uh, to, the, to the Maple Leafs. They returned to you know, Tavares returned to the Coliseum on Wednesday. Yep, and you know there's no love for him as far as Islander fans. I think Islander fans are ticked off at Tavares because he put them in a position where he said that he did not want to be traded, and then they lose him for nothing. When if he would have told them, guys, you know what? I, you know the Maple Leafs were my team growing up. I mean, he put out a picture of him sleeping in his you know Maple Leaf pajamas for crying out loud. Like I think he knew that all along that he was going to go there. All, all things considered. And especially after the Islanders did what they did, which is bringing in Lamarillo, bringing in Barry Trotz, kind of making a commitment to him, like, you know what, this isn't what you've been dealing with these past eight years, nine years. Right. We are now going to provide you with what you need. And, you know, we, we are making that commitment with these guys. Lamarillo's a, a life winner at everything yep. he's ever touched, okay, including rebuilding the Maple Leafs, which he left to join the Islanders. So I, I, I think that... That kind of commitment should have, if he was going to stay, if he meant what he said when he, during that trade deadline, he should have did it. That's why Islander fans really have a problem with him. 
Um, not that he left, but that he said, don't trade me, and they didn't get anything for him when they could have. Right, and that's what I actually – don't mind if I jump in here because that – I totally get the Islanders' hatred for John Tavares. So to mm-hmm. me, it's totally warranted. But th- to me, that's the same situation is why I'm confused, going back to last night, why the mm-hmm. Knicks fans – were booing Porzingis mm, and really just right. you know have all these chants, basically hating him in every possible way. Because like you said, with the Islanders and John Tavares, it's the same sort of situation. Both were, and Porzingis was a restricted free agent in the year. Mm. John Tavares was an unrestricted free agent in the year. Tavares said, "Right, don't trade me." Which okay, he'll probably stay. Like if, if they, you they if, if you're chance, if yeah. you're extremely confident he's going to stay, you're not going to trade him. Right. Because obviously, like you said, you get nothing if he leaps. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess what that have to happen. He said, "Doesn't trade me." They don't trade him. Think they're going to stay again? They lose out to the Leafs. Whereas Chris Asperzingas, I wouldn't say John Tavares is unhappy. Maybe he just, again, wanted to go home. Mm-hmm, yeah. Porzingis, upset with the, with the organization. doesn't buy those dysfunction. Now, again, he was without falter either. But at least he was, went to the Knicks and said, I'm not going to resign here. Trade me. Instead of saying, you know what, I'll screw them over. I'll say I'm going to resign. Then he comes to free agency. He doesn't sign. Go somewhere else. Yeah. And then you get nothing. I, so to me, at least, I, I guess I put more of the blame or of the hatred for Porzingis towards the front yeah. officer blowing that, rather than, right. again, I totally understand and side with the Islanders fans for their hatred of John Tavares. They should boom right. every time he comes in. Like I said, he screwed the franchise because they weren't able to get assets for him, mm-hmm. which he knew he wasn't going to come back, right. but led them on to believe that he was coming back. Right. See, I, I think with Porzingis, it's Nick's fans saying, hey, what, you're too good for us. Hey, forget about it. You know, they, you know, are you going to leave us? You know, you want to leave us? Where are you going to go? You know, that, that type of thing. I get that, but to me, I guess they're misdirecting their anger Right. Instead of directing at the front office for not, like, think about it. They had a superstar in the making right, right there in front of them. They weren't able to hold on to him because there's so much dysfunction. Right. There's so much And I think that's why he wanted Lack of faith. Yeah, right. the writing on a wall. Like, get me out of here, you guys. Right. Get and again, Porzingis is without blame either in that sense because, you know, he was acting like a diva. Maybe he had, you know, some personality changes. But push comes, I mean, it's a player's league. Let's, let, you know, let's be honest. There's way worse guys in the locker room and off the court than Porzingis that are dealt with. So it's just like, you know, to me, that's why... I, I don't understand Knicks fans got directing their hatred towards Porzingis because, to me, he saw the right on the wall, like Mark said. The front office was a disaster, and he got out of there and got himself to a functional place that actually is competent and right. knows how to win instead of just toiling in anonymity mm-hmm. and basically just you know dealing with 20-win seasons year after year because yeah. the Knicks just can't figure it out. No, I, I think that Knicks fans, it's like a double thing, okay? Number one, they're just frustrated overall. I 100%. Mean, they, they, they've been losing. They have no control over it. The fans, depends how old you are, but there was a time when you expected the Knicks to be in contention for a playoff spot. And if everything went right, they could be a contender for yep. you know, an Eastern Conference final visit or, God forbid, an NBA final right. visit. Okay? Um, that has gone bye-bye a long time ago. Yep. Okay? And now you're at a spot, like, New Yorkers overall have a complex about, you know, that they're better than everybody. 100%. You know, and I, I, you know, I, I grew up here right. my whole life, okay? Right. So, right. You know, New York I, I City, like, who, what, what's better than New York City? Why would you yeah. want to live anywhere else? We're right. the best city in the world, like. And, I mean, I look, I mean, is it, look, I, I, love, I, love, I love New York. I always, always will. I love the sports scene, and I even love the people. Okay, I, I think people. Well, I think New Yorkers look. Can New Yorkers be which, rude? Which can, New Yorkers you talking about? You're talking about upstate or you're talking no, about? No, can can New Yorkers be rude? Yes. Hundred percent. More can, likely than not. Yeah, can, are are you gonna get a finger if you cut to it? Yes. Okay. But you know what? If there is something wrong, if there was an accident or whatever, New Yorkers run to the to it. Okay? 
I, I've seen multiple situations where there has been an accident or something. Like you have a lot of people come and help out. There are willing people more than, I, I, I think, I don't know about more than other places, but I think that the hearts of New Yorkers are, are pure. That's fair. You know, I, 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 that's what I think. I think it gets a bad rap. Mark fair. Everett Kelly you know? for governor of New York. No, I'm not. But even you know, going back to a sports scene, like you saw the building like last the night. The garden was rocking. Yeah. The Knicks are two and nine going to that game. Think about right. that. Again, obviously the venom is towards KP, and this is you know a game a lot of Knicks fans circled on their counters once he was traded to the Mavericks. So that's you know partially why the garden is so electric. But you see the possibility for you know the Knicks, you know what what this fan base could be. <laughs> Say that again. This is this is Chris Porzingis. Get me out of here! <laughs> He's you're not wrong. And again, I, credit to him at least saying that instead of John Tavares being, right. oh, you know, I want to stay here. Don't you know? Please don't trade me. I'll be back here next year. Boom. Yeah. Then bolts as soon as you know. He's the worst. Soon, he bolts as soon as free agency comes by and just leaves the the Islanders hanging. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, just so I didn't need to kind of derail the, the Islanders conversation. But yeah. speaking of you know, I said speaking of the vitriol and the hatred for Tavares, I just wanted to liken it to yeah. I, I don't get why Knicks fans feel the same way. Oh, I guess I get it. I just think they're misdirecting their anger. I, I, absolutely. Instead, it should be towards the front office. It should be Steve Mills for, you know. <laughs> I get you could get frustrated and apathetic toward it, but He's Steve from Mills, Hoboken. Who? That's life. Frank Sinatra. Oh. Yeah, Jersey guy. That's yeah. life. Get this Jersey out of here. Yeah. Hoboken's hey, so Jersey. Nice. You're from Jersey? No. Hmm. From Long Island. I'm not from Jersey. Where, no. where are you from? You're not from here, right? Of course I am. Oh. What do you mean I'm not from here? Jeez. Yeah, it's real hard to tell. Yo, you're not you're not one up. of us, oh, huh? Sorry. Holy cow. Start spreading <laughs> the news. Uh, Wait, where's this single line? Go for it. I'm leaving today. Hopefully you don't face any copyright. Yeah, I know, right. That, this. That, that, that would be Austin's trying to get us arrested. <laughs> I, I think you should sing this. Yeah, Austin. pay pay the fine, right? I know, yeah. <laughs> you pay the fine, because I'm not paying fine. it. Um So we do have some picks to get to here, Mark. Again, oh I actually I'll finish with honors with this. My, I guess my, not my worry, but I'm intrigued. Are they peaking too early, or is this the Islanders' peak? Like you said, 13 points, point mm-hmm. games, 13, point, 13 games in a row with at least getting one yeah. point. 12 out of 13, they've won. Mm-hmm. Like, it's super early in the season. Like I said, they played the least amount of games of everyone. And they took advantage of a home schedule. They yes. had a lot of games at home. Yeah. Are you worried that they're peaking too early no. in a long season? No. I, okay, I, so this I, is I sustainable. Think the, system, the system they play okay. is geared toward uh, what they're doing. Okay. And, and, and I think that's going to give consistent results. And I think maybe they won't be – They're not. I don't know if they're going to win a President's Trophy. It's like crazy. But I think they'll definitely have 100 points. And I think they'll definitely be one of the top seeds in the Eastern Conference. All right. Like I said, the Capitals right there in the Metropolitan first, 14-2-4. Isles 13-3-1. and one. Like I said, a hot, hot start for the Isles. We'll see if they can keep it up in this long season. Two, <laughs> three comfortable games Mark could get to. Three ranked matchups. We'll get to one right away, the biggest one of the day, SEC battle, right? Highly contested number mm. four uh, slot. We talked about we both had Georgia. I think we should be the number four team in the latest college football uh, playoff rankings. They were. They were ahead of Georgia. Uh, they were ahead of Alabama. And now they get the treat of going on the road to number 12, Auburn. Does Georgia keep their fourth rank this week? Yeah, Tough one. I, I mean, Auburn, I, great defensive line. I don't know who's going to show up. Are, are we going to see the Georgia team that lost to South Carolina? True. That's um, very fair. But, but, to, be, to be fair to them, they have really played well the last couple weeks. So, but Auburn, again, Auburn knows they got a, they have a role to play here. Auburn isn't in the, t- isn't in the discussion for a playoff. They, this is going to make their year. These next couple games against 
Georgia and against Alabama, this is their chance to really make their claim on the season. And they could still wind up respectable. Only two losses is really good. Right. 10-2 with possible two wins against Georgia and Alabama. You definitely hang your hat on that. It's a good season. I, I think that... This is your this is your chance if you're if you're Auburn to really uh, make a mark in that playoff system. You're not going to be there, but hey, we, at least we did this. We knocked out a team. We can even knock out two teams in the next couple of weeks, and this is their shot. They get it at home. I don't know if you remember a couple of years ago with that uh, miracle play that they beat Georgia with. Yeah, miracle of Jordan Hare. Yeah, and then the, the next week was the missed field goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I think that th- this type of situation has happened before where, you know what, uh, maybe we're, we're heading toward a loss or uh, we're not as good as some, some people think. Uh, or we're not, we're not, Some people think that we, we, we have no chance in these games. And I think if you're Georgia, I mean, if you're already ready, kind of have a, you know what, we're, we're in Alabama shadow. So now let's break out of it even more. And beating Georgia and kind of knocking them out would make their year. I think it would set a tone and be a perfect kind of initiation to what is always the biggest game of the year for them against Alabama. You're right. It's, it's tough to read this game. So like you said, Georgia, we don't really know what, t- what team will show up. Because, like you said, they could look like a team that lost a third-string quarterback in South Carolina. They Really, their best game they put together was their game against Florida in which they yeah. won. But still, to kind of hold on. But the frustrating part is, on paper, they look like one of the best teams in college football, top to bottom. Like I thought they could win the national. I thought they would win the national championship this year. They have a great offensive line. But but here's the thing: like South Carolina did specific things to beat them. They crowded right. their wide receivers. They uh, they said, "Look, you're going to run the ball. I mean, you, you you can't run the ball against us. We're going to take that away from you. Beat us by you. Know, we're going to press your wide receivers. Beat us that way." And they right. couldn't. And I don't know why other teams haven't done that. As well as South Carolina has. I, I don't know. Like you because said, the, the weak point of Georgia is their wide receivers. They're inexperienced. Exactly. They have no game breaker. And like you said, you press them, they can't get you, off you, man and you, can't get off the press coverage and they're screwed. Right. You take away the run and say, okay, these guys are going to have to beat us. I haven't seen other teams do it effectively like South Carolina. That, that's why they won that game. Yeah, 100%. Right. So, so, some of the throws Jake Fry made were bad, but they're mm-hmm. bad because they're, uh, guys are covered up. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're trying to make a play, what else can you do? Like you said, I think this is tough because, like you said, I. I, this is a strength against a strength. A great O-line. I mean, Auburn's defense line. I mean, we've talked this before. Best in the country by far. Um, but to me, I, I like the quarterback experience in this. I'm going to go hang my hat on Jake Fromm. Bo Nix, outside of that Auburn game, has struggled in big games. Now, granted, both of those big games, LSU and Florida on the road, where now he finally gets the comforts of home to help back him up. But to me, the but way— sooner or later, he's going to have to start throwing the ball, too. 100%. <laughs> like, like the SEC sorts of guys. Say, right. Hey, sooner or later, he's going to start throwing the ball to his own receiver. Right. He's, he's, been, he's made a habit of throwing to the other team's receivers his last big two big games they played. But to me, the difference, too, with Georgia being so good at stopping the run— making Bo Nix beat them with his arm. Again, I just haven't seen it enough to where that could happen. So I'm going to take Georgia. Close game here. Jake Fromm, I just don't think Bo Nix can make enough plays, and Georgia holds on to that four ranking for just another week and really sets up that LSU-Georgia SEC title matchup. You know what? Auburn played LSU better than Alabama did. Yeah. They won by one by or lost yeah. by three, excuse me. I think it was, yeah. what, 23-20, right? Even though Alabama At was, LSU. You know, was a like, five-point game. You know, uh, Auburn played better. Their defense LSU. locked down. Yeah. I like think about it. And they held LSU, I believe, it was either 23 or 26 20, points. 23 points, yeah. 23 so, 20, yep. Right, that was the biggest slugfest by far that LSU faced yep. in terms of a, a defense punch in the mouth. Like I said, that starts with a great defensive line. Mm-hmm. If you only need four guys to get pressure, yep. 
you know, you're, you're really cooking on defense, and that's what Auburn can do. So we'll see if the, uh, Georgia, at least O-line, can negate that. How about Minnesota? The big, I mean, obviously their win, unfortunately for them, overshadowed by the big LSU-Alabama game. But they beat Penn State, who was number four. Now Minnesota jumped up to number eight. They have a tricky game here. I mean, they have, coming off that emotional win, coming off that emotional high, they go on the road to number 20, Iowa. Mm-hmm. Tough place to play in Kinnick Stadium. An, an offense or a team, excuse me, in Iowa that loves to make games ugly. Can, can I or can Minnesota put last week behind them? That's more important, too, especially we see in college football. Letdowns happen after big wins all the time. Do you think Minnesota can go to Iowa, put this win behind them, and continue their storybook season? Because they're going to probably, if they, if they have legitimate playoff aspirations, the worst, the absolute worst they can do is 12 and 1. Absolute worst. And that's still asking a lot for them to beat Ohio State. So they, they need this game. What are you thinking here for Minnesota-Iowa? Well, if, if, you, if, serious, if you say serious January football, what do you say for college football? Well, uh, why wouldn't it be serious January football? Okay. Serious, De- I guess maybe December. I think the playoff technically is like the last weekend in December with the actual final like January 10th. So if you want to say you know, serious October baseball, I guess serious December football. Some big bowl games in December, but as you see, no one, that kind of, maybe, maybe we'll say that saying. Forget serious or include, we'll do our own thing. The Morning Boys, branded, serious December football. What does Minnesota have to do? Can they get through Iowa to play some serious December football? Well, I, I think Iowa's just one of those teams that they make you play ugly. Yes. <laughs> okay. Oh, yes. And it, those types of games are never fun, and you're always frustrated, which leads to mistakes, which leads to uh, upsets. If you look at... Iowa's losses, you know, 10-3 to Michigan, 17-12 to Penn State, um, and then you know, 24-22 to Wisconsin. Those are all three teams that are ranked in the top 20. Mm-hmm. So now is their chance again. Iowa at home, okay, let's make our mark this season by dashing Minnesota's hopes. And I, they could dash. If you're Minnesota, you have to win out, essentially, to get part of the college football playoff. Because then you you would be eliminating Ohio State, your figure, or, or they would have the advantage over Ohio State if they beat them. Oh right, right, the big right, so the Big Ten champion. Them. Yes. yes. So if they went out, they would replace Ohio State, and I think that's what's at stake here for Minnesota. If they lose this game, I I, I don't know if they could do that. Yeah, it's I'm with you. It's to me, it's all about the letdown more than else. Like I said, Iowa. They make you play ugly, especially at they home. Do, yeah, they yeah. make you play tough. They get you out of your comfort zone. And, wow, I'm still not really sure which way I'm leaning. Because, to me, Minnesota looked so impressive last week against Penn State. Their offense was scoring at will. Their receivers are big-time playmakers. Their quarterback, Tanner Morgan, does not turn the ball over, which is huge in a game like this because that's what Iowa feasts on, making you make mistakes, turn the ball over, get in the ball in plus territory. Because their offense, to put it lightly, their offense is plotting. They are archaic. And they really are not explosive at all. So they're going to have to try to ground you up, which does worry me a little bit because the Gophers' defense was exposed by Penn State, especially in the air. Not that Iowa could beat you through the air, but they had a tough time getting off the field against Penn State defensively at some points. So that does worry me. I'm going to pick Minnesota just because their offense was so impressive to me that if they can dominate Penn State's defense, I think they can do the same in Iowa and just make enough plays to win the game. But you just riled off the scores that Iowa in the games they lost to. All one-score games, all for the most part low-scoring games. I think there'll be another case of that, to where it could be a 17-14 sort of game, you know, 20-17 game. But I think in the end, Minnesota does get it done. They continue to row the boat. 
at least for another week. I I think that, look, uh, when you talk about Iowa, I think initially, like, when you start the game against Iowa, okay, they have the tradition now of waving to the kids. Yep, after the first quarter. Yeah, uh, yeah, after the first quarter, waving to the kids in the cancer hospital that you can see from the stadium. Uh, That's a tradition that I think touches everybody's heart. Mm -hmm. So uh, that, that itself inspires you, if you're a player, to play your ass off. Because you see these kids that their their highlight of their day is to look down and see mm-hmm. these guys playing. And if you really understand that and really understand the, the position you're in and say, you know what, I, I, I'm lucky enough to be out here and play football, um, I think that's why you have them playing these types of games. Because whatever they have that they comes out at home and they're able to look at least for, for, for those the rest of those three quarters, you know what, inspired football. And I think a lot of times that leads to those types of games. Like you say, if you're unaware of the tradition, after the end of the first quarter, the Children's Hospital, just right right below or right behind the same, excuse me, everyone, fans, players, wave after the first quarter. Just an awesome tradition that has uh, been done here for the past few years um, at Iowa. I said, just gets tears in your eyes. It's a really touching moment that lets you put things in perspective for sure. So we'll finish up the final game here, Mark. College game day will be there in Waco, Texas, number 10, Baylor. Yeah. I'm sorry, number 10, Oklahoma, yeah. and number 13, Looking Baylor. Looking forward to this one, yeah. Big 12 is going to need some help if they want to get the playoff. Mm-hmm. And Oklahoma looks sloppy against Iowa State. Iowa State's a very good team, but still, to basically squeak their way out by defending a two-point conversion. Okay. I'm, you know, it's, I'm not sure if Baylor gets in the playoff if they're a one-loss power five no. or a Big 12 champion. No. So they need this game bad. How do you see it going? Yeah, I, I don't see Baylor. Well, if Baylor loses, they're, they're not going to get anywhere near the playoff. I mean, and I, I don't even think Oklahoma is going to get anywhere near the playoff. I, they, they've just had too many. You, you Are we playing say, a basketball game? Is this, is this March Madness? Austin. We're the wrong one. Yeah. Austin. Ooh. We needed that for Dickie V when Dickie V comes on. This is not fair. Oh, it's unbelievable. Diaper dandies. Oh, boy. And listen, Oklahoma Baylor would be a pretty good basketball match in the back twelve uh, in the Big Twelve. They're pretty, you know, they're pretty good teams, but I'm not really sure if they'll be meeting in March. And Austin's learning as he goes uh, on the job. Look, I got I got a song when Mark was a uh, in his thirties. This is the 1970s. Mark was his holy sports. cow! The 1970s college football. It's holy cow! Does it bring you back? No, Mark was in his heyday, 1970s. <laughs> Doesn't bring me back. <laughs> Holy cow. Um, okay, so we'll talk about Baylor, okay? The next, the, the last couple weeks were going to be their time to trip. I thought West Virginia was going to be a trip game. It, it was, but they wound up winning, even against TCU on a road. Uh, an opponent that has been a rival of theirs, they wound up beating them 29-23. So now you have the two real games that they've kind of been winning all season for. Home games against Oklahoma and Texas. Yep. You know, money's on the line. What are you going to do? If they win these two games, they're going to put themselves in great position to be in the conversation for a playoff spot. You're right about that. I guess when I look at this game, the biggest concern for me is, like, which Oklahoma defense is going to show up? Because they bring in a new defense coordinator, Alex Grinch. We obviously know how bad their defense was the past two years, right? Just... A paper defense at best, where just teams would die, slice and dice them, and they would win by offense. Now, granted, they would win most games, but when they play offenses like Alabama in the playoff, they, or Georgia two years ago in the playoff, they could not keep up. You look at this year, their defense was supposed to be bigger, I mean, better. It was marketed as being better, 
at least the first seven games, they allowed 19 points per game. So especially in the Big 12, very respectable, see a real change. But now the last two games against Kansas State and Iowa State. Now again, two good teams, don't get me wrong, not exactly two dynamic offenses that are going to light up the scoreboard like a Texas Tech would mm-hmm. or like a, te- you know, like any, any of these Big 12 teams. It's like Baylor, not even Baylor anymore, but Texas. You know what I mean? Like you're not going against offensive juggernauts. And they just gave up 41 points each of the last two games. So it's like, well, which defense is going to show up? I, I do think in the end, because Baylor kind of plays ugly, their defense, I mean, their offense is not really explosive. They, pour, they play more of almost like a Big Ten mindset with Matt Rule coming from Temple. He plays like a grinded-out ball control. will win ugly. don't really care how we win. Like, saw the last few games against West Virginia and against TCU, very low-scoring games. I think it was TCU was 9-9 going to overtime mm-hmm. before they went to three overtimes and scored. So it's like they will ugly it up. They will muddy the waters. But to me, Oklahoma is just too high-powered on offense. And I think Jalen Hurst does get done. Oklahoma figures it out. And their defense at least plays well enough um, to have them get the win. So we're running out of time. We'll do some quick NFL picks. Uh, the Jets. Don't let the Jets get hot, Mark. 2-7. Yeah. Big win over the Giants. Going to Washington to play the 1-8 and eight Redskins. I... I- one of the worst games I ever saw in my life was a 3 nothing Jet win over the Redskins in 1993. I mean, funny story about that game. My dad came up to watch that game with me mm-hmm. when I was in college, okay? And it was the ugliest game. It was so ugly. Mark Rippon was quarterback of Redskins. Boomer Sison was quarterback of the Jets. I mean, there were missed field goals. There was a, the ball getting snapped into Louis Aguilar's helmet, who was the, the holder. So after the game, we're going out to eat because we're starving by the time the game's over. So we go out to a restaurant, and we really wanted a steak, okay? We were in the mood for it. So we go there, and then the lady's like, oh, sorry, guys, we're not going to open. We're not opening for at least another hour. And, like, all of us were so, like, we had a look on our face that was like, what, what, like, what are we going to do? Like, right. can't be. So my dad says to him, Please have mercy on us. We just watched the check game. And that, was, that was so what I was feeling. Like if I could have that is so said funny. words, that would have been exactly what it's like. You don't understand what we've been through watching this game, taking everything out of us. And that was the Jets Redskins back in 1993. So you used to ugly football from these two teams. The Redskins are awful. They're probably worse than the Jets, at least uh, you look at talent-wise. Uh, the Jets don't have an offensive line, but Washington didn't have a quarterback. They don't seem to have an offense. Uh, I think if the Jets don't win this game, you, you know, if you're a fan, you're kind of caught in between a rock and a hard place here. Because, you know what, if they w- start winning games, they're going to drop in the draft position. But, look, I'm a believer of it doesn't matter where you draft. You know, you can screw up a draft getting a second pick. As easy as you can screw up a draft getting a 30th pick. Right. Or you can be successful at it. Absolutely. The only reason why I would see them not drafting higher as a, as a, as a problem or why I would want them to have a higher pick is because then they could do more with it. They could trade it for more value. And I think right now the Jets need numbers. They need numbers in the draft. So if they could trade their first-round pick for uh, two, you know, a first and a second-round pick yep. later in the draft – I think that's what they need to do. So if they could get numbers from that, that's what I would. So that's my only. So you advising losing this game? No, no. I would so never. That's advise, how you would get value. You play to win the game. Okay? Hello. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, but I do think that there is a benefit if they draft higher. 
and that benefit is them getting more picks. Yes. And I think Douglas will know what to do with that. So you're not rooting for a tank situation? No, no, I, no. And, and you want to see them, you know, the other thing is, do you want Adam Gaze out? Is he so incompetent that you want him out? Look, if they start to uh, have an offense that looks like it's uh, an NFL offense and not like, a, you know, something you would see uh, on Pop Warner, then I would be a little more forthcoming and be like, okay, well, you know, give, give the guy a shot. So, you know, that still needs to be understood is consistency where the players seem to be investing in a system that they understand and they can take advantage of. If that's going to happen and if they're all going to go together, then, then fine. I have no problem with Gaze being a coach. I've just seen no evidence of that. Right. So... Well, this is a nice game yeah. for that. Yeah, the Redskins are atrocious on but defense. It's, you, you can get a false sense of security. Fair, here. you know you're right. You know, and this—I and, mean, talk about a hell of a three games for the Jets if you're a Jets fan watching. Yeah, this. and the Bengals next, right? The I believe you're right. So they play the Dolphins, yeah. the Giants, the Redskins, and I think you're right with. I know they play the Ravens eventually, right? Too, you know, but uh, yeah, with the Bengals and then the Dolphins again. I mean, that is yeah. poof. That's, there are some putrid future games in there. You are earning your fandom. Watching all those, but I, I do think the Jets will win this game. I mean, like I said, this is a this is a, a kind of a get right game. Like you don't want to have a false sense of security. Get right, where, get right. Where, <laughs> where like you you kind of see like this could be the expectation, but this is a game where I mean you can feast upon a bad no, secondary right. of the Redskins. Right. Not to mention Dwayne Haskins starting the rest of the year. I mean, he's been nothing but a disaster under center. So this should be at least a chance of the defense to kind of ball out. Maybe Jamal Adams steals the ball again like he did uh, Daniel Jones. Um, and I'm with you. I think the Jets do win this one. It'd be a big red flag if they can't win this one, although I guess you would say that after the Dolphins loss, and they lost to the Dolphins. So how about this one? Oh, great one in the, in the AFC here. Texans at the Ravens. You know, probably the second seed in the AFC on the line with this game. Which uh, What do you think about this one? Yeah, I, I think they – look, the Ravens are going to eventually – not play well in one of these games. I don't coming think back to earth, huh? Yeah, I, well, no, not coming back to earth. But I think it, it, they've played at such a high level. I mean, they absolutely manhandled the Bengals, and that, that's a division game. You don't expect them. You don't expect division games to be such blowouts. I, I, I can't believe the Bengals are that bad. I mean, why? They shouldn't be, but they are. I mean, maybe the bang, This is like the Bengals of the '90s. This is bad. Which was really bad. I mean, that's like legendary bad. So. I think that the Ravens and the Texans do a lot of similar things. It's going to be a real entertaining game. Uh, the Texans got to beat them if they want to uh, kind of solidify their playoff positioning. So, right. um, But I, I, I just think that the Ravens do enough things that you can't account for yet. Sooner or later, they're going to figure out ways to stop Jackson. Nobody has yet. And I don't think they, they will figure it out this week. I'm with you. I think the Ravens, the beat, the, the, the drum keeps going on. Although, I mean, we'll say this. The Texans have a very good run defense. Now, this is going to be interesting to go against a strength against a strength. Obviously, we know how good the Ravens came on the ball. But you look at this Ravens offense, 39 points were gained the last three games. They've been on fire, been unstoppable. And I'm with you. I think, especially at home, they've looked unstoppable. Lamar Jackson's playing the best football of his career right now. I think that continues. I think they do get the big home win over the Texans and then really solidify their shot at the second uh, – seed in the AFC, get a first-round bye, and then get to play at home in the playoffs. You already called this, but we'll circle back to it quickly. Patriots at the Eagles. You called your shot. The upset special of the week. The Mark Ever Kelly upset special of the week. 
Do it, Mark. I, I, Do I, it. I don't think this is an upset. I, I, wow. I wow. Really? At Philadelphia. Yeah, the Eagles are 5-4. and four. I know, but the Eagles are a good team. I mean, they won Super Bowl. They, they beat the same <laughs> Patriot team. Two years ago, and they couldn't. Right, but couldn't I would say them. both teams are not the same no, as they are now. No, but they're not. Look, I think a big thing the Patriots do over most teams is they intimidate them. Okay. Okay. They don't intimidate the Eagles. I think the Eagles have kind of seen that, beaten there, done that. They, they beat them in a big game. The organization overall does not intimidate them. The head coach, uh, Peter, it, it doesn't intimidate him. I think they're going to be ready to play. I think this matters for their season. They got to keep winning if they want to make the playoffs, and they will. Wow, I, I, I said they would lose to the Ravens. They lost to the Ravens. I think they'll lose to this game as well. You think? I'm just trying. So you don't even think this is an upset? I'm just trying to pull the I, Vegas I line right here. I don't think the it's actual an number I, is. This isn't an upset to me. I mean, it might be overall, but I. I, I the, wow, you are that confident look, in the Eagles. I, I, I view an upset as something that I don't expect to happen. I, I, I expect the Eagles to beat them. I don't know why. I just do. Patriots are three-and-a-half-point favorites on the road in Philly. See, to me, I think this is a get-right game for the Patriots big time. Obviously, they're coming off the bye. They were embarrassed on national TV against Lamar Jackson and the Ravens offense. I think Bill Belichick has lit into that defense two weeks in a row now. And you go in against the Eagles team that is banged up offensively. That, again, like you said, they really haven't found their group. They've been up and down. I think on paper, we talked this in the buy or sell. They, they have a good team on paper. They just aren't able to put it together. Alshon Jeffries banged up. Darren Sproles is going to miss the game. So they're without their top two wide receivers. You're without a good pass-catching running back. I just, to me, don't see how the, the Eagles can overcome those injuries, let alone having to go against this Patriots defense, which I still think is really good despite mm. having one bad game. I think they are, yeah. So I didn't think the Patriots go in here. I think they beat the Eagles pretty handily. I think handily. the Eagles have been different since they suffered that humiliation against Dallas. I, I think that kind of woke them up. All right. We'll see. Like I say, I, lo- I love the confidence, Mark. Not even calling I, it an upset. I do. Not confident. I, I, I just... I, yeah, you, know, you have that gut feeling, and yeah, you go with you, it. That's you conviction. Pick, you, you pick up trends. I, I'm, you know, I've been around long enough to where I pick up trends. And um, just two quick games here, Sunday night and Monday night. Bears 4-5 and five at the Rams 5-4. and four. You're buying the Rams as a playoff team, so does that mean they went, uh, win on Sunday night? Mm-hmm. I can't. I, just for the reason I laid out, their offensive line is banged up. Jared Goff looks like he regressed, and that Bears defense, I mean, look how good they are. I, I get the offense has been atrocious. But with how bad the Rams' offense has been, unable to move the ball and score points, I think they're on par right now with but, the way the Bears' offense has been. So I'll take the better defense no matter okay. what okay. in the Bears. But, hey, I, you're going with the Rams. We'll see what, we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. And finally, Mexico City, Chiefs versus Chargers. An interesting game because now the Chiefs, you know, they've been struggling. They lost 3-4. or four. They're 6-4 and four right now mm-hmm. against the Chargers who <laughs> – like you said, the Chargers are a box of chocolates, right? You never know what you get with this team. You never know what you can get. Box of chocolates. Mom, mom said Chiefs are box <laughs> They're four and six. Okay. What, what Chargers, I guess, the, we'll phrase it this way. Which Chargers team shows up in Mexico City on Monday night? I, I think that the Charger team that beat the Packers will show up. Ooh, okay. Is that, does that equate know, to a win? You never know with the Chargers. You never know what you're going to get. Say it in the Forrest Gump voice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, are you picking? If you pick, a, you, I, I, if you pick the Chargers, you later. have to pick the Chargers in the I Forrest do. Gump voice. <laughs> Let's hear it. Life's, got, life's like a box of chocolates. No. You never know what you're going to get. No, you it's gotta say it. In yeah. the, you gotta say so it. let's hear I, it. I, I, I like to think the Chargers are going to win. There it is. Oh, yeah, right. But you never know. Because, <laughs> like, you know, Mom always told me you never know what you're going to get. Yeah, you never know. You never know. <laughs> oh, there's Forrest Gump picking the Chargers for you, Mexico City. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with the Chiefs, you know. I, I think that actually the game in Mexico City benefits the Chargers because now you, 
it's, it wouldn't be as big of a home field advantage for the Chiefs if it was in Los Angeles as it was now in Mexico City. But to me, losing that game to the Titans last week in Patrick Mahomes' return, just how bad that defense was, I think they do bounce back. The offense for the Chargers does not scare me, although the run defense for the, the Chiefs absolutely does. But I think they, they shore it up enough to where the Chargers can't get the ball rolling on offense. I think Patrick Mahomes is just too good um, to contain. So I, I say the Chiefs. Win this one in Mexico City. Get the win. Move to seven and four. All right. So it, this is by Bernie Sanders doing uh, Forrest Gump. So impersonation, impersonation. Let's hear it. You never know what you're going to get when you're talking about the San Diego Chargers. You never know. But never Bernie, know. You're, you're taking. You're, you put your Absolutely. vote right now. You Absolutely. would stamp your vote on the Chargers winning over Absolutely. the Chiefs. Absolutely. Free health. Free education. Go free to BernieSanders.com. Look at my tax plan. Does the tax plan change if the Chargers lose? Uh, yeah, I think a lot of things are going to change. Mark Kelly or Bernie Sanders for President 2020. We're starting the campaign here first. I am not. I am not a Bernie Sanders supporter, by the way. But I, I, I appreciate his your impersonation of the impersonation. I, I appreciate the Larry uh, David impersonation, which I think is better than Bernie. I think he does Bernie better than Bernie. How about that? Bernie. The impersonator doing it yeah. better than the actual person. They should just put him out there. I love Larry David. I really do. Larry. Hey, you see Curbs come back? Yeah. I January. 20, 20 baby. Hey, I, Let's that's go. That's the thing. Like, how many series, like, take, like, six years off for fun, you know? And, oh, well, we, we'll fun. come back, you know? But, I'm yeah, fired up. I, I love it, yeah. So, I definitely look forward to Curb. So, that will do it no, for No, wait. It does not do it. What are you talking about? You forgot. What do we forget here? It's trivia time. <laughs> oh, how can we forget? That's right. And... <laughs> Is this a Friday special or a Tuesday yeah, a special? Friday. Okay, so every Friday also we'll have trivia. Austin, I'll be honest, Austin, your trivia question last week was terrible. Don't worry, I got, to, I got a new one. It was, I don't, it was even, terrible. I don't even remember his trivia it was question. It the Marvin Gaye one. Yeah, he asked what oh. famous musician or yeah, dude, artist tried sports. out for the Lions and included, it was, uh, it sports included sports Stevie right. Wonder in okay, that. Okay, So what do you have this week, Austin? Okay, here we go. Okay. That's it, the music stops? Oh, sorry. I'll try to switch music. Okay. Which NFL team features a helmet, a logo on their helmet only on one side? Steelers. Are you serious? You guys going to get the last one. Steelers. Steelers. You sure? Yes. Was that quick enough for you? Yeah, I guess so. We're gonna have to re- we're gonna have to put like okay, Austin's trivia in the works. Right, yeah, 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 holy guy! I mean, I this has been guy. You're not impressing me, guy. Where are you pulling these from? I, I hope somewhere one. not just this on is, the top. This of your is from head. like a joke book. Like yeah. one of those right. joke books you would buy? I think we have to end on that note because... How about, how about who's... I'm ready a, to start my weekend after that. How about who's absolutely bombed as a producer today? Holy I like smokes. I turned off his mic. <laughs> I don't want to so, hear him anymore. I really uh, on don't. that note... <laughs> on that note, well, that will do it for the morning voice for this Friday edition. Thanks so much to Dick Vitale for getting us a few you know minutes. I that was awesome. You. That's so funny. Thanks to Austin Tadabam, our esteemed producer, for just his tough, hard-hitting trivia uh, questions yeah, that we'll we, get every Friday. We love Austin. Appreciate for you listening wherever you are. I'll be back on Tuesday. Enjoy the games on Friday. You're listening to the Morning Boys right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, You're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.